all about the WWE Championship for the first time ever. Brock Lesnar goes one-on-one -on -one with Drew McIntyre. I awoke in the night with a fever. And the sky was the darkest blue. And a still, small voice was calling to me. And away, away in the distance, I can just make out this ball coming in from the left. And I'm starting to run, to run like hell. And the voice is getting louder and louder and louder, crying. Hey, Biggie, got your step. I So, uh, WrestleMania, baby, woo! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the most emotionally trying day of a year that doesn't involve the anniversary of a family member's death. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm quite happy with that as the intro. <laughs> yeah, we're doing it, we're doing it again. It's yeah. the um, it's the <laughs> annual Puri Puri Podcast WrestleMania episode, which uh, certainly the content I'm sure you all crave from us. Um, especially many weeks removed from uh, the actual WrestleMania, thank God. Um, I, 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 well, we'll get into what we thought of the show and just the general fucking weirdness. In case Take you, I guess. yeah, yeah. In, ca <laughs> in case you're not aware, there's uh, there's some, been some stuff in the news. I mean, virtually no changes come over my life, but like people have been having to self distance, uh, isolate each other. Uh, WWE, however, seems to find all this stuff very, very optional, and so they are continuing to run wrestling shows and. Uh, and even uh, live tapings of Raws and Smackdowns and the like, which meant that we have got the the um, the the fucking hell, the marketing of the show, lads. The, um, the, the too big for one night thing. You almost have to admire the chutzpah on their part of just acting like they just decided. It's like when they moved um, WrestleMania 7 from the big arena to like the smaller mm -hmm. one. And it's like, oh, no, Sergeant Slaughter was definitely getting very legitimate death threats for his aberration for great leader Saddam Hussein. So um, <laughs> it's very much like that. You almost have to admire the brass neck of them just refusing to acknowledge the reasons for them doing a no people gate WrestleMania at the performance center. I was really waiting for them to bring out some sort of like Sergeant Slaughter's now turn to the the, the power of Jushi and now they're going to get death threats from like North <laughs> Korea as an excuse to cancel this one this time. Comrade Slaughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, it, it 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 was a very surreal experience, and like, uh, I guess just to give listeners an idea of where I was at going into this, um, I like, I, I don't really watch the WWE product at all anymore. I'm not, I'm not even really watching NXT, which I did start watching 
Um, and that, just just because it was, um, you know, it was going up against Dynamite. I watched Dynamite and I felt like uh, if I'm going to watch Dynamite, I may as well see what's going on with the competition. It's quite an interesting time of wrestling, you know, Wednesday Night Wars, all that kind of thing. Um, and uh, they burnt me out on NXT pretty fucking it's quickly. Ba- it's bad now, um, really. I can I can imagine. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not watching the main uh, roster product at all. I occasionally listen to some reviews of it, um, you know, a few podcasts, that kind of thing. And I get I get a general idea from just being involved in wrestling fandom, what's going on there. But I, my my interest level was zero, and my knowledge level actually of uh, feuds of uh, what was going on was 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 pretty much zero as well. Um, and like further to that, I'm just. I, I'm absolutely pretty much at the right now done with no no crowd wrestling. I've 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 watched all the Japanese shows pretty much that have come out of there with no fans in them. I've watched some US indie stuff with no fans, and now I've watched this, and I'm just I just really want fans back. <laughs> I never thought I'd say this as someone that hates fucking modern wrestling fans, but I would give anything to have them back in the fucking stadiums right now and in the in the like the halls, you know. Yeah, I I do get what you mean. Like, so I was going to say I specifically avoided. Watching any WWE main roster stuff under under uh, no uh, no fans thing until WrestleMania specifically because I knew if I watched uh, any matches or anything from Raw or SmackDown or whatever, and going into WrestleMania, I'd be like, right, I've seen this. Um, it's not novel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I specifically avoided everything so I didn't lose the novelty of it. And then I went in, and after about 25 minutes, I was like, this isn't novel anymore. Yeah, well, so... unfortunately, it's another five and a half hour, hours of it to go. I was trying to think, actually, of why, because I've been watching the empty arena shows that companies like Stardom, Tokyo Joshi, Gato Move are doing, and I was trying yeah, to... And I was trying to think, like, why, am I, why are those shows, like, I'm finding quite charming, whereas... WWE main roster in an empty arena at the Performance Center, I'm finding so incredibly depressing. I think firstly is that those companies are good and WWE isn't. And secondly, I think it's because you kind of, firstly, they're like, they're experimenting a bit with these things. Like they're doing gags like Maki Ito doing the who's the cutest in the world and then like crying when no one says it back. Um, But like WWE fundamentally produce wrestling in a particular way. And they're not going to change that, even with the lack of fans. And thirdly, I think it's because you expect the um, shows of Stardom and Tokyo Joshi and Gato Move to be in, like, on a relatively small scale. Whereas it's a WrestleMania, it's in a tiny arena, it, it just feels wrong. And I'm not saying I feel, like, sorry for WWE... Um, like being brought low by this um, and being forced to operate under the same conditions as everyone else, because uh, I don't, but it's, um, it does feel like quite depressing that it's like, okay, even WWE has had to shrink its operations as a, as a consequence of what's going on in the world at the moment. So that's, I think, the reason why I found uh, quite a lot of WWE stuff quite, quite depressing at the moment. I mean, I think the, the issue for me as well is that Let's be honest, these workers are pretty much the wrestling equivalent of battery hens. Yep. They're kept in, you know, they don't have any interaction, they don't have any freedom. They see a bit of light once every nine days and, like, they don't, like, they're not, they're not allowed to express themselves, they're not allowed to be creatively, um, you know, fulfilled or anything like that because they they work a certain style. We've talked about it before, about how rote the 
the, the style is in WWE. Every, everyone wrestles the same. Everyone has the same wrestling style as everyone else. And the, the problem is, is that when that wrestling style doesn't work, because it's quite funny because for a, co- a company who have zero regard for their fans at any point whatsoever, yeah. and clearly don't give a flying fuck about them, and don't even entertain the process of trying to get crowd reactions or anything like that. I mean, the example is like the hometown hero. Every time the hometown hero loses, whereas that's like the easiest way in the world to get a pop for someone is just having them win in their hometown. And they, they, consistently do it. they always go against these sort of things because it's, it's what they want the crowd to do. And it's... Um, it's it's bizarre that like they spent so long basically not trying to get crowds to be vocal and now that the crowds are not vocal and they're like well the style that we had just doesn't work in this setting we we don't they, they can't comprehend it because i i would say right i mean we we we, uh, we as a collective have watched many an empty arena match in our time we all know the funk lore yeah, one, you know my, my. i and, know i know terry i know yeah, there's been lots of um, there's been lots of great empty arena matches. You know, like stuff with like the boiler room brawls and stuff, and even like, Impact had a, a great like, empty arena match last year, and um, NWA had them as well. Like I companies mean, have done empty arena matches, and, and I'm generally always up for watching them purely because I think they're really really fun to watch, and the way it's it's interesting to see what they do with their surroundings. Mm-hmm. What what WWE for the most part did with their surroundings is just act as if there was a crowd there and there wasn't, and it was. Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, the first match was a perfect uh, example of that. It felt like quite a lot of things. So the first match was uh, the, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the dark match because obviously I didn't watch it and life's too short, but. uh, It was very good. It was four minutes of Cesaro versus Drew Gulak. I would actually encourage you to call. Yeah, actually, that does, that does sound, that does sound good. I think we were. I think we were doing something at the time, and I was just like, "I'm not watching the pre-show for a fucking empty arena event." Fuck off! Uh, but so the first match was the women's tag uh, championships: uh, Kabuki Warriors versus uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And there were a number of occasions in this match where it seemed like wrestlers were like clapping for like c- c- crowd reactions to comebacks that were never going to arrive, or just like uh, sort of crowing at people who weren't there and uh, and stuff like that it was all very very uh it was all very very bizarre i'd almost kind of wish that say asuka and Kyrie sane had done the um done the Stuart lee bit where he talks directly to the audience mm, through the yeah. camera like yeah. that probably would have been a better way to go with it um i i don't really have a huge amount to say about this match because it was it felt quite I certainly don't think we needed the opener to be 15 minutes. I, I would certainly say myself, I think I had a bit more of an emotional investment in it because this was the year that Scotland took over WrestleMania. Oh yeah, that's true. And it, and it, and it was the empty like, arena one, which is the most Scotland, Scotland thing of all time. Exactly, yes. Is, is Scotland um, opening and ending WrestleMania winning championship belts and there being no fucking crowd to celebrate it? That's <laughs> probably the most... Um, Scotland thing ever, but like I, I, I was kind of like, well, you know what, we'll, it, we've got Drew tomorrow. I was, I'll, I'll watch this because I, I, I usually wouldn't have bothered with this. I thought it was okay. Yeah, again, like it was an empty arena match. I, 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 it, was, I, it was very hard to get into it, but um, I enjoyed it for what it was. I imagine if I was from like 
Flemington Spa or, you know, Brussels <laughs> or somewhere, I, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much, but, you know, that, that is the way yeah, it is. I mean, in, in, yeah, in the parallel it... universe in which you are a resident of Leighton Buzzard, uh, <laughs> you know, like, um, try, try and put your Leighton Buzzard hat on, you know? Exactly. Uh, Luton born and bred. Um... Strong in the arm, thick in the head. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it was like, I mean, I th- I, I like I like the Kabuki Warriors. I you know I think they should probably both be higher on the card than they are, but um, they they play the roles well. Uh, like the 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 look, the look is great. Like uh, I really didn't think um, Kairi Sane would be a good heel because I've I've seen her play heel precisely once, which was at that show we went to in uh, in Tooting back in uh, in uh, twenty fifteen, Daniel. Um, when I think it was very much she was tagging with Alpha Female and she was like, I'm going to work heel. And it was just really weird. Um, and I was just like, okay, how is this going to be? She's actually really good in it. Um, she's been twirling an umbrella in a sinister way, which I'm I'm always a big mm-hmm. mark for. Um, I, I I like the Kabuki Warriors. I like, I, I like Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, uh, like the dynamic they've got uh, going. I just felt this kind of had a, went a bit too long and didn't really provide much of a sort of because like you really need something that's going to be quite eye-catching if you're doing an empty arena wrestlemania a lot of people are going to be coming to it not really having watched much main roster because you know there's a lot of people who for whom wrestlemania is the only wrestling they'll watch God, every what a year. depressing experience that must be it's your one know. wrestling <laughs> year is this. awful jesus it's like, oh, I'll listen to one record a year and it's Coldplay. You're like, what the fuck? Why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, it's like, if they'd have had... And actually, I'm, I'm staggered they did not have an Andre the Giant Battle Royal um, on either show yeah. this year. Like, if you do something like that, at least it's not going to be like a work rate classic. It, and it... George, come on. Are you are you seriously advocating on recorded media that they should have had a 40-man Battle Royal during isolation? Oh, yeah, actually, that's a very good... Well, they, they... Come on. Okay, no, I'm not saying that they should have done this. I'm saying that there's no reason for them not to have done it, considering the company's... Um, attitude towards social distancing at the moment i was gonna say i i I am saying they would they would do that (laughs) actually i've got a um a bit of a uh just uh i did i did this with sarah the other the other night um okay how many of the six men who won the andre battle royal can you name i can do it i I, I, I should really like the the andre the giant battle royal all right i'll start with what uh big show won one did he he did Cesaro, you won the first one, very good. Oh, no, he, he was my second one. Um, <laughs> after that, oh, hang on, hang on. Didn't Baron Corbin win one? Yes, 2016, oh! very good. Did. Here we yes, go. Did. Um, and Mojo Rawley oh, with Aid from did. We'll get to fucking Rob Gronkowski, oh, believe me. Oh, 2017. God. Yeah, so we've got two left. So we've got 2018 and 2019, the two most recent ones. I, I don't know, I wouldn't have been watching then. Um, I don't, I don't even remember. I mean, no, I mean, at that there, yeah, if it was on Mania, we should. Did Rusev win one? I don't know. No, no, he didn't. Uh, um, D- he David, didn't. David, back to you. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman won last year's. Yeah, what about 2018? I can't remember what happened in 2018. What made a in 2018? Uh, who knows? It wasn't the women's one. Jesus. That was last year. 2018 was... Was it Reigns Lesnar again? Oh, uh, that's what I was... Yeah. Oh God! Yeah, the the, the, the shit version of uh, Reigns Lesnar. No, twenty eighteen. Uh, in the words of words of Paul Heyman, I've got two words for you, Matt Freakin Hardy. 
what? Yeah, Matt Hardy oh, won a uh, you... Andre Battle Royal. Wow. No, he didn't. Big, Big another... John Studd was robbed. <laughs> another question. Who is the only man to have competed in all six? Oh, uh... It's got to be Cesaro. It's not Cesaro. He's only been in two. What the fuck? Uh... What? I guess that's good. Ev- so he's competed in every single... He's... Have they, have they wheeled out Big Show for every single one? Uh, no, 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 not the last two. In fact, Big Show didn't wrestle at all last year. No. Too busy filming his Netflix show, clearly. That, that's right, yeah. It's going to be someone like Sin Cara or something <laughs> like that. Uh, no, not Sin Cara. He's been in four. Grizzly Smith. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was not. It was uh, Mr. Heath Slater. So that that concludes the uh, the uh, trivia challenge portion of the uh, of the episode. Um, but yeah, getting getting back. Yeah, I, okay. I thinking about it, uh, there are very good reasons not to have done an Andre the Giant Battle Royal. But at least, like, if you have something like that, then people will go, "Oh, look at all the like the crazy characters in uh, in in this." Like Shaquille O'Neal's here for some reason, you know? Yeah, you know, the uh, and like all oh, that year, Tatanka was in it, but he didn't get an entrance, and yeah. he was just like five minutes. He's like, "Is that the undefeated Native American?" That's that's Papa John's franchise owner Shaquille O'Neal to you. I thought you were going to say Papa John's uh, franchise owner uh, Tatanka uh, retweets, <laughs> prison, retweets Prison Planet a lot apparently. So that's, uh, that's all good stuff. <laughs> Amazing. Oh well, I was going to say um, the the day of reckoning will come. <laughs> like that's that as facts. <laughs> we know that. Have, have you seen the uh, Have you seen the uh, the billboard for Scott Steiner's Shoney's franchise? And it's just like, come and eat at Shoney's. And then it's just got a big picture of Scott Steiner on it. But it doesn't say who he is. So <laughs> like, if you're not a wrestling fan, it's like this terrifying roided up man, <laughs> allegedly, in, in, in chainmail, is going to come and kick my ass if I eat at this restaurant. I mean, I just, you know, it sounds like an advertisement for a really, really bad sex club. Like, um, like chainmail and all, <laughs> yeah. like, you know. So uh, yeah, that was the uh, uh, opener. Um, I I thought it, I don't think there was anything wrong with it precisely. I, I think all of the women in it are at very least like good at their job, and in you know the case of some of them, like very good. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it didn't especially grab me in the way that I think the opener on the first ever too big for one night. No people get WrestleMania uh, needed to. Uh, but I mean, I mean, uh, I was going to say I had three main thoughts about it, um, and uh, the first two are over quite quickly. Uh, the first one is that Asker is the most beautiful human being on the planet. The second is um, uh, simply this: uh, Nikki Cross at Japan, motherfucker. <laughs> um, and the third um, is like this. Always, this happens every WWE show I watch. Right? I sit there thinking, I'm I'm gonna hate this. This is gonna be awful. I'm fucking. What am I even doing? Wasting my fucking time and energy on this bullshit company? And then I get all into the hype package at the start, and then I'm like, right, okay. Oh, we oh, we'll, we'll come, oh we'll god! Really, awful. really weird. Really weird. Okay, so um, like uh, I, I, every pay per view this happens, I'll think, you know what? I do hate them. I do hate them. But but it's WWE. It's a bit like saying like you know, oh like uh, I'm I, I'm just gonna give up on watching like I don't know like fucking the Premier League, whether or not your team's in the Premier League or not. You still watch it when it's on because it's like you know it's it's a thing that binds us all together. Fucking like, and then the first match is generally passable for me, right? It was generally because of that. I'm kind of in the zone. I'm in the mood, right? This was ruined immediately because of the package I'd seen before it that introduced the WrestleMania, um, and then that introduced this match. Uh, because the 
I don't know, like, what tone they were going for. It, it, yeah. it, it was as if they, they they decided to do um a kind of like uh like uh sort of breaking the fourth wall kind of uh, ironic thing, but by people that clearly have absolutely no understanding of the concepts of shame or irony. What Americans? Uh, yeah, well, partially <laughs> so, yeah. But um, it took me about eight minutes to realize he was doing a Jack Sparrow impression, like genuinely about eight minutes. Uh. Because I wasn't sure who was doing the voice, and I didn't realise either. Because I was trying to work out the accent uh, first. I was like, "What the fuck?" It, it, yeah, it, so re- I, it really was a case of Drake's Armada. Good God! Like, um, yeah. So I, I just, I, I was a bit dis- that sort of didn't put me in the best place for it, really. And pr- pr- as soon as this started, uh, what I will say about this match, which had something of a benefit to it, is this: I too have been um, enjoying more the shows I've seen from Japan without, without, without crowds, and that's partially because. The audience at a lot of those shows in general, especially sort of like stardom shows, Noah shows, they're not the most demonstrative anyway. Um, you know, there's not many people there in truth at a lot of those shows, and it can be generally fairly a bit more sort of calm, that kind of thing. And you know, so I'm I'm watching this, and I, I begin. I've realised when Asker and Harry are doing the whole shtick, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm really glad that I don't know Japanese because I think this would get really fucking boring really quickly. And that set the tone for the rest of the evening. When it was fine here, it was passable because it, it wasn't in a language I understood it. But oh my god, this show will be dumb. Will, the one thing that I will always remember from it is the amount of times that I physically, painfully cringed my asshole as people decided to bring. I'm doing an inverted. I'm doing some inverted comments here, folks. Narrative to their match, right? Like. I'm sick of this shit. Gargano and Champ are responsible for it, but this entire show was just... Uh, no, they're not, actually. HBK and fucking I Love You is responsible for it, right? But it's just... Yeah, uh, I've, I've seen that take from a lot of people in the last week or so, yeah. Well, we'll get into this later on, but like th- this began what was to become a very irritating trend for me in the sense that I could hear fucking everything they were saying to each other. They were conscious of that, and everyone tried to create some kind of, like, narrative through sound and it really pissed me off for the whole thing. I'm 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 try- I'm just like I'm quite sorry that we uh like didn't get just a stand up one on one John Cena match because you can you imagine the oh. volume of his spot calling oh, but with I, like I, I, no other sound to dampen it. But then we would have been without undoubtedly the match of the weekend. So like, uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, speaking of matches with claims to be the match of the weekend, uh, Elias versus King Corbin. Lads lads I'm on strike for this one. I'm not doing it. I, I genuinely, right, had a thought when I was watching this. No, you didn't, don't lie. I was like, <laughs> is this the worst WrestleMania <laughs> match of all time? I mean... It wasn't even my least favourite WrestleMania match of the weekend. <laughs> we'll get to that. But, <laughs> like, I was watching this and I was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, what what hellscape are we at? I know we are in a literal hellscape right now, right? But this was, like, a second hellscape. You know, like, you know how, like, Mario... Where like there, you can go down a tube and it's like a bonus hellscape that you go into where you have to collect all the coins uh-huh. and stuff and if you die you just go back to that. That was this. This was a bonus hellscape where you could get an extra achievement if you watched it. Like who who thought this up? Because there should be recriminations. To be honest, these people should Has be tried on the Hague for this. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Like uh, I will say it for this. Firstly, is like why tease like a injury angle with fucking Elias and King Corbin, which was made pretty much on the, 
on the well, not on the fly because I understand there was a bit of an angle um, leading up to it. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not I, Elias. I think um, he sticks quite. I, I, I admire the fact that he's managed to get over on the main roster when his act was dying a death of NXT, when there's so many people who've been mega over in NXT and then the bookings just absolutely shagged them on the main roster. Yeah, I don't... And I he's don't, like, there's yeah. actually nothing wrong with Elias. I think he's quite funny sometimes. Um, but King Corbin is two really good wrestling moves, uh, Deep Six and End of Days. And then it's just... Like, it's... Yeah, at least he, at least he didn't go over. I will <laughs> like, see... I, I will say they, they had the perfect opportunity to make this match vaguely watchable, and Elias just comes out, kabongs yeah. him in the head, and then just hits a, hits the drift away and then pins him, and yeah. then that's it. And I'd be like, you know what? Fine, a perfect yeah. segment, yeah. right? No, we had to have legitimate sporting contest, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, and like they, just, they like I don't know how long this went, right? But it's it felt about eighty-five yeah. minutes. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll... It, it felt like that Okada Omega two or three match in terms of length. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, it, 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 it so was better bad. than that. To be fair. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what it went longer than. It went longer than uh, both men's title matches combined and also <laughs> went longer than the next match, which was for the fucking Raw Women's Championship. Who the who the fuck is booking this shit? I mean, what is wrong with people? It's like, Vince McMahon, uh, Daniel. It's uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, but you know, oh jeez, you know what? This made me think. This match, I thought, you know what? I'd rather watch. Oh, we haven't spoken about it yet, but don't worry, dear listener. He's there, hanging around like the fetid little horrible fart smell that he is in the back of the room. Fucking Mojo Rawley, isn't he? There he is, creeping about <laughs> like a fucking horrid little vacuous cunt rag that he is. Oh God. Uh, I, I almost thought, you know what? Give me eight minutes of Gronk and Mojo Rawley. Go on. Give me eight minutes of that. Give me some more of their banter and their chat. Go on. Give me some of that, lad Bible. I'll fucking lap it up oh, compared it's to this shit. horrendous. Hell. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, let's talk, let's talk about, let's talk about Gronk um, for a minute. So, um, oh. okay, I, I think that, like, I think some people need to be told uh, told this. Uh, no one outside the United States of America has the slightest fucking clue who uh, Robert Gronk Gronkowski is. Who, who, who is this complete mistake? <laughs> okay, so as far as I understand it, he is was a legitimately world class NFL player. Right. I say world class. That's, no, that's, no that's, that's not world because no one else plays that stupid fucking sport. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. He played. Sorry, Nebraska. Sorry, Nebraska. I, I believe you're missing out on the greatest team of all, which is the Scottish Claymores. But carry on. <laughs> Scottish Claymores FC, they're by far the greatest team the world has ever seen. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, but the, yeah, so he played for uh, the New England Patriots, who I understand are the um, uh, Man United. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the team everyone hates um, if you don't support them. Um, and he's a major Trump guy as well, so he's got that uh, got that going for him. Um, probably the best... Probably the thing I remember him for was, as we've mentioned earlier in the podcast, giving the assist to his good pal, Mr. Mo Jonathan Rawley, um, in the, uh, in the, uh, the Andre Battle Royal, but also like getting, like, um, getting seen off by this tiny female security guard because, um, she thought she didn't know who he was and thought she was, he was just jumping oh, the yeah. fence. 
<laughs> and then someone had to say no, let him through, he's part of the show. Something I never thought I'd see, but solidarity with ah, yeah. yeah. a Yeah, so um so they had uh, a few segments. Uh I, I I enjoyed when Gronk left um and was replaced <laughs> by did. um uh, Big Titus O'Neill, who did a far superior job oh, yeah, of hosting yeah, the show and selling it. Pretty good. Yeah, I I, I, like I have all the time in the world for Okay, Titus O'Neill is like to be frank, he's the real deal. He's the real deal. To be frank, he is a shockingly poor wrestler, um, but he is—he's yeah, good. He's good on the mic. He's—he's he's very charismatic, and he seems to be just a really great bloke. Like, um, I—I I think he paid for about a thousand like um, uh, young African American kids from like uh, deprived areas to go see Black Panther at the cinema. That's good. Good man. Um, like, just just like a guy who's got his heart yeah. in the right place. Um, he's got. I my favorite bit is. Uh, Thing he's obviously the um tripping and falling at the greatest Royal Rumble, and uh, I enjoyed all the like Titus truthers like Brian, Brian Alvarez saying, like I don't believe Titus is capable of fucking up that perfectly. <laughs> like, I mean, it says a lot about Titus, and it's a real shame because he's like he's, he's a big former collegiate uh, American footballer, he has he has all the, the makings of I should absolutely love him because he's just you know going to take people straight to the Serengeti like Monty Brown, but yeah, yeah, he's just really like, bad, he's so he's really bad. bad. I, I think his great, greatest match of all time was literally 90 seconds long. And it was that match he had against, I think it was R-Truth in his suit. And he, yes. he spent the match fighting and he's trying to take off his suit at the same time. And it was like two minutes long. It was amazing. And that was literally his best match of all time. Uh, okay, the, the, the other best match he's done, um, that barrel carrying challenge on uh, NXT when he immediately fell Oh, over. yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also that time he was on commentary and JBL was trying to ride him for being an idiot and he just started talking about all his college degrees. He's like, you got a college degree, <laughs> JBL? And just absolutely fucking was, roasted it, it, him. It was, it, it so was quite was nice good. for me to be able to bring back the... Uh, a, a, a little game that I like to play just amongst myself and my family, uh, which is um, whenever you, uh, JBL is on commentary, as he was unexpectedly to me here, you can play. You, you, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we haven't discussed. It's just it's yeah. a great game to play. Whenever you, whenever you see him, uh, whenever there's a close up of him or, or him and, and sort of Michael Cole, whoever else is in the, in, in the box, it makes everything better if you imagine that he's really, really, really drunk and also received some very bad news, but he doesn't want his employee. But he doesn't want his employers to know. But if you if you watch if you watch as soon as he thinks the camera's off, this vacant kind of fourteen yard staring in the middle distance just begins. Um, and he's completely. It looks like he, he's having the most awful memory. And I hope he is. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, clear, clearly, clearly, uh, Bermuda isn't on lockdown. I was. I was going to say thanks, government of Bermuda, but I think that's us. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so, um, well, no, I should, yeah, it, I mean, not us personally. I mean, the British. Can I just restate the anti-imperialist credentials of this podcast? Uh, I, I think I think people I think people are more than familiar with the yeah. anti-imperialist credentials of this podcast by now. Yeah. Apart from those six weeks when Daniel was yeah. secretary what? of Bermuda, <laughs> yeah. no involvement in the government what's, of Bermuda. What's, what's the highest stage um, of capitalism? Well, it could be imperialism, or it could be this nice pair of Bermuda shorts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too hot today. Um, so yeah, that was that was a uh, gronk. He won the twenty. 20- Four seven title, which I think absolutely everybody uh, saw coming. A true WrestleMania moment. <laughs> oh, WrestleMania moment! A uniquely grating oh. presence. Oh. Oh. I've got a question for you. Oh. I've got a question for you. If you could, if you had the book, you had the pencil for one day, and you could give any footballer the twenty four seven title for the day. Sir Tom Finney. 
I mean, fo- football, footballers of those uh, of that era with the leather football are probably the only people with more brain trauma than wrestlers, so I'll cut that out. By the way, I, think, um, I don't think Dixie would... going to sue George. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This, I've got so many. Um... Okay, I think it would have to be... Um... I don't... Actually, I want to... I want to do like a reverse Gronk. I want to inflict upon the United States someone they've never heard of. Um, so in that case, I'm going to go with uh, former Arsenal uh, defensive midfielder Mathieu Flamini. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that, but that's fair enough. <laughs> oh. I think I think for me, I'd have to go um, a, a very a very specific direction. And allow um, Alessandro Del Piero to fall in the footsteps of his oh. idol Tatsumi Fujinami by winning <laughs> yes. the WWE title. Incredible! I, I that's my favourite niche football fact. Like, um... it's so fun. Like when Rai turned like got Tatsumi Fujinami to come over to Turin to meet Alessandro Del Piero, and he turned into like literally us if we met any like you know fucking Yuki Ishikawa or something. Like Amazing. That. <laughs> it was, we should try and get Alessandro Del Piero on to talk about Tatsumi Fujinami. Can you imagine oh. Alessandro? And today on the Pure Prairie podcast, our guest, <laughs> Alessandro Del Piero. I, I'd just be like him when he met Fujinami to Alessandro Del Piero. He was yeah, like, I mean, I'd be like the Sandman when, when I met Jaguar Yokota. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the uh, the next match on the... This was a weird one, this was. Um, so it's uh, Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler for the um, uh, Raw Women's title. So I think the weird, the weird things about that match, firstly, the idea that, um, so Shayna Baszler, I uh, like quite a lot on NXT, um, just being a being a dominant champion, choking people out with cool MMA shit, uh, not being especially interested in doing anything um, uh, eye-catching, but having like incredibly good psychologically sound matches uh, regardless. And then they debuted her as a vampire. That was so fucking, st- that, if anything, sort of, uh, encapsulates the disconnect between NXT's for all its faults presentation of wrestlers and main roster presentation. Yeah, uh, I think that kind of sums it up. They kind of rode back on on that a bit, and it's very much like okay, Becky Lynch has been uh, has basically beaten everyone, Charlotte, Asuka, etc. She's been champion for a year, but there's someone new that she's never faced before, and then Becky kind of just won. Yeah. Really, really weird. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, uh, this was a match that I was actually on paper looking forward to a lot, um, you know? Like, uh, I like that. To be honest, I was probably looking forward to this as much as any other match on, on the card, really. Well, one of the match, which was similarly disappointing, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I I found this... Uh, this was disappointing, and for me it was disappointing because if there was one match, actually, I thought that they might be able to, um, to, to really do something with in terms of like uh, there not being a crowd there and to, to maybe just tell a bit more of a story like you said because of the way that Shayna is inclined to I actually think um, uh, gradually throughout her career uh, which has actually got to the point now which is very good at putting those kind of matches together that you described um, which are like you know the, the, and they're the kind of matches that I love I've often said that I would prefer a psychologically sound and interesting 3 out of 5 match than um, a more conventionally work rate 5 out of 5 stars match you know yeah, I, th- I I I've got to that point as well. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, and I, I think that Shayna often is able to do those things in quite small stretches of time. Uh, I think that comes from having worked in uh, places like Stardom where the matches are shorter, and um, you know, like NXT as well when it was when, when matches were shorter there. Um, yeah. And this was just pretty disappointing to me. Um, I felt like um, 
like a lot of the stuff on this show, it felt odd for me to give this so little time and to give some of the other matches more time because I felt that by the time this had sort of um got to its like denouement, I was just uh, getting into it really, you know, like um. Yeah, it felt like the first chapter in a larger story, which I, I think it probably is intended to be. Yeah. I think there's certain results on this show that I think would have been different were it at the big stadium. But um, I think yeah. they're trying to hold off on maybe a title change or two until they're, they've got a crowd there to witness it. I think that's, I suspect this is probably one of those. I thought, I mean, there were a, a number of quite poor finishes on this, on this, uh, on night one in particular. Yeah. Um, but I think this was one where... So it's basically the finish from um, uh, Austin versus Brett from uh, Survivor Series 96. And also, I think, Brett versus Roddy Piper from WrestleMania 8. It's the uh, sleeper hold into, like, just floats over into a, into a cradle. And it's, it's a finish you've seen on, we've seen on a number of occasions. But uh, kind of like Shayna didn't, like, look like she was trying to escape it. Yeah. It like, was, she, didn't, she didn't kick her legs or anything. Yeah, it was really It was weird. really, really bizarre. It kind of like she'd been like knocked out by a roller. <laughs> like I don't think that should ever be the case. So I, I don't quite know what the fuck was going on with that. I, I quite liked the match up until uh, that point, but it really felt like it hadn't ever got out of first gear. I certainly wasn't expecting it to end at that point. Um, and I thought, oh, maybe they're just doing like um, sort of just shorter matches across the board. But then as, as other things on WrestleMania will prove, that was very much not the case. So I, uh, no, I don't quite know what was going on there. I kind of went into this looking forward to it because my my, my view on it, like I I've mentioned before about how I am um, don't I'm not as big a fan on the on the uh, women's division as other people are purely because I feel they just do the same style as the men. Now, I, we mentioned before they're all battery hens who just have the same style as each other and don't ever deviate from that. Oh. And I find that the women are equally as guilty of that as um, the the men, but I. I really like Shayna Baszler, and I think Shayna Baszler's matches have been really, really yeah, good. Yeah, and different and as well. I was looking, yeah, yeah, very different. So I was really looking forward to, you know, this um, this match and seeing how they how they would do it because I felt that Shayna Baszler could. I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be a foot ten match, but I feel that it's stuff like foot ten and stuff like that kind of you you would you I mean we we we've talked about all those Grimm's um Grimm foot ten matches that are filmed like they are in dispatches and stuff like that. <laughs> Um, where they look like they're they've been filmed by a, a news of the world reporter pretending to be an oil shake, but I thought that there's that there's something where like one one um factor that I felt very very pertinent for this whole thing was that as you mentioned about um the sound of narrative of people trying to inject narrative. One thing I did think that did really help that there was nobody there was the sound that you seen that everybody was working a bit stiffer. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely you could, were. You could hear um, all, the, all the shots and stuff like that, and I thought that worked really well, and I thought that will lend itself to this match being really good. And it was all right. It was it was your usual battery hen WWE formula match, but the Shayna Baszler didn't really get to do much of the Shayna baszler stuff that she usually does. And then I think if she'd won, I'd have been like, you know what, eh, it was good, it was quite good. Eh, but she didn't win, and I was like, right, cool. I know that there's nobody here, but this is kind of... She she already lost the Rumble, so you're like, well, she lost the Rumble, but she'll win at WrestleMania. No, nope, she lost at WrestleMania as well. She's going to win it at, like, fucking extreme rules or some nonsense and nobody's going to care at that point. And it's <laughs> the, like... The, the new beginning in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like... There, I, I, I don't know. It was it, 
it was all right, but I mean, it's very yeah. hard to muster anything about it to say about it. And, and I think even if if Shayna had won and the match had ended at the point it was, it still wouldn't have particularly put her over. She's going to win, have her destroy her in five minutes to really like uh, establish her. But um, they didn't do that. Can we talk about Becky Lynch's entrance? By the way, I've just uh, I've just remembered about that. If, if anything like sort of summed up this WrestleMania, it's WWE spunking a, a whole load of money on a bedazzled like truck, <laughs> basically. Yeah. For for Be- Becky Lynch to like uh, be driving in on to complete silence with like no one there, and it, it's, it's as if like does she come to work in that generally? She just like parked it in the uh, in her usual space. You like, know how it's like when um, a boss at a factory or something has a really nice Jag or a Rolls, and they insist in taking it everywhere. So they have a normal car that they would usually use, but they insist in taking the Jag. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Insist in parking it outside the window <laughs> so that everyone can see that they get this really nice Jag. It feels a bit like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a huge amount more to say about this match, except it was fairly disappointing. Um, so, and I, I don't think they worked badly together. I, I just think that, yeah, like I said, never, never got out of first gear and the finish was, was quite crap. Um, so, um, the next match was, uh, for the Intercontinental title. This was kind of put together on quite short notice, but I think this was sort of like, okay, these are some guys who are, um, both great wrestlers. So let's just put them together. And, and then again, didn't give them especially a huge amount of time. Not that you can't do great matches in, um, in uh, not much time, but uh, this is uh, Sami Zayn uh, defending against uh, Daniel Bryan. Um, it's a sort of complete bafflement to me that a stable of Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura is a sort of cowardly mid-card act. It's so bizarre, but I kind of love it. <laughs> I really actually. I didn't even really know like they were this. together. Well, I didn't even know that they I were together. It's a bit like, do you know, when you're sort of like um, you're, you're walking through town when you're younger. And you see like two people you know, but like from separate places, like from like separate from like different schools, or like you know one of them from work, you know one of them from like football on a Sunday or whatever. And you just see them like holding hands in the street, and you're like, "Well, I did not know they were together." Like it's like it's like that. I was like, "Right, hang on." So these three are together. I'm never trying to sort of figure out why. And then I realized partway through this that Sami Zayn's has a Castro gimmick. Yes, yes, he does. Um, and then I was like, okay, cool. Do you think Vince was like, oh, so, uh, <laughs> where, where, you know, like, where, where's, her parents, where, where's his parents from? They're like, oh, like Syria. It's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's, uh, okay, well, let, let's not go there. That's a bit on the Cuban, nose. Cuban, Cubans in Syria, he's been uh, following James Bloodworth on Twitter, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, you know, let's not go there. That, that's a bit on the nose. Uh, where else can we go on the axis of evil? Uh, oh, Cuba. Let's do Cuba. Haven't done Cuba for a while. Like, uh, but, you know, obviously. Yeah, like, I mean. They did babyface him. I mean, Jose you know. Canseco must condemn. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I can't believe they've given uh, Sami Zayn a Castro gimmick and not put him over Batista yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, that'd be incredible. Imagine, like, imagine there's just a whole. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the animal will get to. Yeah, Batista. yeah, yeah. They're gonna have to have like a Sierra Mera match. And I, I, I like, I like. Um, WWE keeps doing this thing, and they actually did it with Brian last year as well. In like having people just be like very overtly in favour of progressive social causes. Uh, and this makes them a yeah. heel somehow, like Daniel Bryan's environmentalist. Um... <laughs> yeah. Like they could, they could even pick like some like far left, like you know, like firebrand of communism. It was oh yeah, it, it's environmental things, are you? Eh? <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's. I mean, you can um, 
without um you know sort of uh whitewashing the reputation of the castro regime too much but like i don't think it's a, it, i don't think it's going out of my way to say that like communist cuba has done more <laughs> net good in the world than the united states at <laughs> the end of the second world war for instance strong hard agree <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean i mean you know they're, they're sending i mean they're sending doctors to uh like italy and places like that during the uh the covid crisis like you know just just as a humanitarian gesture which is apparently bad well, while, Vin- um, while vince I has put on shows in fucking saudi arabia so shut up old man like just shut up like you're, you're... <laughs> yeah um drew gulak was with daniel bryan as well um i i must have missed this i i know they had a yeah. feud and now they're teaming i don't know drew gulak <laughs> had a lovely uh lovely tracky on uh so that was uh that was good uh and there was a bit of uh bit of argy bargy on the outside between all the uh various people i i i think i think i speak for everyone when i say that um what a sammy Zayn versus daniel bryan uh wrestlemania <laughs> match needed with lots of outside shenanigans I mean, like i was excited for this i mean it would be difficult for you not to be excited for this if you're of a certain age absolutely and, like they're yeah, both, they're both of a certain age yeah. and if you know uh american independent wrestling or just american American wrestling means anything to you over the past two decades almost <laughs> like you know like um this was shit <laughs> this was not good <laughs> like i did not enjoy this like i didn't I, the shtick just didn't do it for me and so to the point i should have got great satisfaction when brian finally gets his hands on zane um you know like and kicks the shit out of him that just it was too long coming for me, and it, 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 I was burned out on the shenanigans in between by the time it happened. Yeah, it was. I, I I liked the work that they were doing when they got to do it. They were hitting each other really hard. Finish was really bad as well. It was the classic distraction, uh, like not even like a standard halluva kick. Basically, the fucking uh, uh, he, he won with the yeah. chest big boot. <laughs> oh, I Peter real one. Uh, and um, um, you know, you, you, you need in these situations, the, yeah. For stuff like that, for me, I want the reaction of the crowd when they're doing stuff like that. If you're going to do that shtick, I want it getting heat from an actual crowd. Otherwise, it just becomes irritating. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like You, you, you need to change yeah, your match yeah, to absolutely. the fact you don't have a crowd there. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying do Goji Ozaki Fujita or whatever for a fucking half hour, like, you know, although that was really good. Uh, but like, you know, just like uh, think about something. You, you've got to be a bit more flexible in that kind of a situation and think, right, how are we going to get this over? Not by dint of the sheer force of the fact that, you know, there's people on TV watching other people into it. We have to go like straight through the camera and try and get over somehow. And after a couple of those interventions, it just really great to me. But then again, I'm not watching each week. I don't know the story. Maybe people are more invested in it. I, I'm the I'm the complete opposite of you, Daniel, in the sense that I I was I was here for the shenanigans. I I, I honestly thought <laughs> after a couple of minutes they're going to do the Takataichi match. They're, <laughs> they're just not going to touch each other. Zane is going to keep running about and he's going to be an absolute caper for twelve minutes, and then Zane will come in and roll him up or something, and that'll be. It. And you see yeah. when he actually like made contact, I was like, oh fuck. Right, no, no. <laughs> I was like, oh come on, and it, it, like they actually started wrestling. I was like that. Because I thought if anyone is going to do a wacky no contact match, it's going to be Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, no Shikara, yeah. Shikara veteran Daniel Bryan of the of the headlock match fame. They they're so they're so knowledgeable. I thought they they could easily dress and this would utterly stick out compared to everything else. And I enjoyed the start of it. And I enjoy, like yeah, I enjoyed it when you know Zayn get the fuck beaten out of him. But I feel that there was a disconnection between the two, and that I would I would have quite liked it to just 
been the, the shenanigans. My, my, my comeback yeah, to that would be, yeah. I, I, I would be in agreement with you, but where I differ from that is that I actually, you said, you know, both men are well-equipped to do this kind of, like, wacky, kind of, like, you know, um, off-the-page match, but I didn't feel like it ever got to the point where it was particularly wacky. I thought it was just the same kind of, there wasn't really any big sort of, like, amusing or fun mm. kind of, like, payoffs or, like, sort of continuing little sort of, like, quirky, interesting bits happening outside. It was the, it just seemed to be the same spot, the same spot, the same spot, and then they do the cut-off, and then they do the, the move, you know, the transition to the next thing. Uh, you know? Like, so, yeah. I know what you mean, but... Um, I just wish it had just been absolute nonsense at the Wazoo, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, I would, I would have been there for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would that would have been better. Yeah, especially as the you know there there were so many matches on this uh, on this show. I would have liked there to have been some more variety. I think the next one certainly provided some variety. So okay, it was meant to be a triple threat tag match. Well, the New Day and the Usos, who are uh, destined oh. to do this forever, uh, against The Miz and John Morrison. This is for the SmackDown Tag Championship. What happened with this was, okay, so this is, I don't think this has been confirmed, so this is conjecture. So take this with uh, all the allegedly's in the world around it. Supposedly, supposedly the, the Miz turned up showing symptoms of COVID-19. Oh, I thought you were going to say The Miz turned up half cut or something. <laughs> they were like... <laughs> oh, no, no, that would be good. COVID-9 and a half he's got. Um, so, um, uh, you know, it turned up like displaying some of the symptoms associated with COVID nineteen, and then uh, why did he turn this up? Because <laughs> WWE is a corporation which inculcates uh, a strong aura of presenteeism. Toxic work culture, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they're, they're yeah. certainly not alone in that. But um, <laughs> uh, so basically, apparently, what happened was that um, Roman Reigns was like, "Okay, well, I'm off because I've recovered from leukemia twice, <laughs> and my immune system's all fucked." Um, and then the Usos got really mad about it as you would imagine. Um, so we were down to one Uso for this and Kofi Kingston and uh, uh, Jonathan Nitrogen uh, representing his team. You talk about toxic work cultures. The, I mean, you talk about toxic work cultures. Uh, having an 18-minute ladder match in front of absolutely no one. Now, I will I will say, like, I, I did enjoy this match with a lot of caveats in that they really beat each other up so bad. There was some horrendously yeah. dangerous shit that they were doing in front of a crowd of literally I mean, some camera the, people sorry, and JBL. I really, I really <laughs> struggled. I spent this whole match, right, sitting there going, Jesus fucking Christ, why is this happening? And I was like, has there been a more a, a more insensitive match? Not in, in, in terms yeah, of an offensive match. I mean, more of a match that really... Un- under any normal circumstances would not take place than this. I like that. I, I ran my brains back to since certainly since Over the Edge, right? I cannot think of a match that absolutely should not have taken place and is absolutely reprehensible that this happened. Yeah. I honestly could not enjoy this in any way, shape, or form because they were utterly killing each other, and I was just like. What's the fucking point, lads? Yeah, it, it rem- do you know what I mean? Yeah, it reminded me of watching like backyard wrestling videos that uh, I used to see back in the day I, when you know you'd see someone do some enormous like a four fifty flip on like three burning tables and barbed wire, and then you, the camera pans around. There's literally a bloke and a dog in a park. I, I was I was honestly expecting someone to do a swanton bomb onto a trampoline off a garage, right? That's yeah. That, that was my that was my cynical move. Do, do that and then and, and then Shima post come to Shanghai and you're exactly. like, like the, 
you're, you had a nail in the head. This was proper, like when you're 12 years old and you're just trying to do TLC matches yeah. in your in your house, and it's like it was. Oh, I I tell you, this was Angar TV. It really. It, well, no, Angar TV has has like a crowd. <laughs> yeah, that's true, and and has charm, and someone's aunt doing a running. Yes, um, his arms though, George, his arms. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go uh, A N G A A R T V on YouTube. It's some Indian backyarders basically doing loads of WWE ripoff gimmicks and doing like Money in the Bank and Punjabi prison matches in an alleyway somewhere in. <laughs> They built an actual Punjabi prison. <laughs> it was very well constructed, <laughs> and like, and it was it was better than anything on this show. Yeah, so, yeah, uh... yeah. I, I mean, I mean, the thing is about this match is that when you have a ladder match like this, and you remove the audience, and you remove the glitz and the razzmatazz, and you remove the kind of like the the exclamations you hear from the audience, the the awe that is palpable when they, you know, when you remove all of that from a ladder match, what you are basically left with. Is sexy changing rooms. Sexy changing rooms. So I thought we would figure out which one would be um, erstwhile mucky novel writer Alan Titchmarsh. But then I got confused when I was thinking that because I was getting confused for I got it. I was going to have a whole game of this. But then I what I'd realised I'd done is I'd recast changing rooms with the cast of Homefront and Homefront in the Garden. Well, I, I was going to suggest that John Morrison absolutely is Lawrence Ellen Bowen, and no one can convince me otherwise. No, he, yeah, that is undeniable. John Morrison is like a, a staggeringly handsome oh, yeah, bloke. Yeah, I can. I it's can ridiculous. But um, yeah, like uh, so, it just, I couldn't get past the fact. But while I was watching Sexy Changing Rooms, one, there was no lovely Carol Smiley. Very sad. Oh, a bit of Carol Smiley for the dads, eh? A bit of blue. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was just... It was just it's very hard the, to be smiley the, watching the, this show. The, the sort of we- the weirdness of it. And like you said, David, just the discomfort. that I, It made it so apparent that these were the people that were doing things in front of no one, a company that doesn't care about them, uh, you know, being treated pretty terribly. And it actually made me sort of, at that point, I was thinking, oh, my God, there's a whole other day of this to watch. Like a whole other event. Yeah, I, I will. It's probably the best dystopian match <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, like, uh, yeah, I, the, the, yeah, the thing is, like, no one would have. I can see why, you know, Reigns um, went cried off the show for very justifiably, for possibly misrelated reasons. Um, and they I was like, well, we need to have a title match. So we'll just stick uh, stick Braun Strowman in there because he's not doing anything for some reason. And um, but for this match, I like, would anyone have really taken it amiss if like, okay, Miz has got the Rona, let's just cancel the match because it was a stupid idea to do a ladder match anyway. But like, I I, I I always get like really annoyed when like someone defends the tag belts in a singles match, like because that's not what tag wrestling is. I mean, I, fair play to the lads for I don't know how much time they had to put this match together when they were presumably planning for something entirely different. And I assume they just didn't do all of the same yeah. spots, but with one person instead of two. I mean, I mean, they had they had a whole conservatory of sandpaper. So, you know, <laughs> God, I, I felt like sandpaper in my fucking conservatory after this.
Well, it, well, it, well, your conservatory will look significantly better once uh, John Morrison, um, um, inhabiting the spirit of uh, of Lawrence Will and Bowen, makes it look like uh, what my dad used to refer to whenever Lawrence Will and Bowen used to do something on changing rooms. My dad's words, not mine. A Turkish whorehouse. <laughs> Have you ever seen the changing wow. rooms where um, they, uh, they make a house and they go in and they do the grand reveal and she's like, I fucking hate it. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. amazing. It's, it's, it's literally it's one of the greatest English. things that's ever happened. I watched that live uh, when it was first on with my mum. Um, it was oh, it was brilliant. Like it was so the the, the happiness in the Baker household, you know, because we were the kind of household that used to like watching Antiques Roadshow, piss out of the like the real the real proper fucking like uh, rich people that would be devastated when they got an undervaluation. Like so, we had quite a lot of bitterness towards the reality TV in our lives, and that was great, you know, getting it all out. I, I, my, my, my old band once uh, opened, opened, mind you, a Battle of the Band set with a 30-second scar cover of the theme from Changing Rooms and won. Phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> speaks to the speaks to the quality of the rest of the field. It, 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 uh, it was a different age, George. It was a different time. I remember I, I went in a Battle of the Bands and we played um, Hangar 18 by Megadeth and still lost, <laughs> even though it's from Hangar what? 18. <laughs> Really? Bloody hell. Really, I don't want any of this hard rock and or roll nonsense yet. I think yeah. it's, uh, two people who played the Proclaimers one. <laughs> like, this is the year our band is going to win it, just not your band, just the other band that are playing, playing 500 mile. That, 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 it's, it's Scotland, mate, what are you going to do? Like, um, uh, yeah, Hangar 18, by the way, exact same chords as, as Call of Tulu. Yes, it is. That is yeah. And and they are unusual chords, and it's the it's the same key. So there's no way Dave Mustaine didn't just steal that. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. brilliant. But, um, I I this is really uncomfortable to watch. Like. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a good match, but yeah, it was very uncomfortable. I, like, I understand I, I, when you like when you like you know if somebody gets concussed, like, under, like Undertaker versus Brock at WrestleMania 30. Yes. Undertaker was heavily concussed and probably shouldn't have finished that match, but it was WrestleMania. I can understand it in a grandiose states of that, where, you know, the biggest match in the history of the company, arguably, yeah, you're, you're going to continue that when you probably shouldn't. This just shouldn't have been. Do you know what I mean? Like, this just... Yeah, misbegotten at its inception. You know me, Hulk Hogan, this should never have been. Uh, yeah, sorry, the Ultimate Warrior just uh, doing a little run in there. So he's, he's, he's floating up from hell. Oh wow! <laughs> where he definitely is yeah, wafting up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can sm- you can smell the, the cheap uh, ca- ca- carvos from here. Right. What do you think hell was like for the Ultimate Warrior? Is he like forced to compete in like sixty-minute Kings Road Broadways every single night? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, the Dingo Warrior. Speaking of uh, uh, people I wished were in hell, uh, anyone associated with the next match, which was a uh, no DQ match between uh, Kevin Owens and oh, uh, Seth Rollins. Oh. Right, so was this... Do I, Am I right in thinking that they announced this as no DQ at the last minute? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know or care, but like, I, 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 did, I did want Tony Chimmel to go out like, there will be no disqualifications. Yeah. Um, <laughs> la Mania 7. Who the hell made that ruling? <laughs> so, yeah, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. So, um, uh, I, I hate yeah. Seth Rollins. 
Um, I think he's had a terrible year. He's clearly very talented, but like uh, his face run uh, absolutely stank. Um, and uh, his heel run, I think, is a bit better. But like, I, I'm really not feeling the fact that his booking's been all over the fucking place. They had him win the tag titles with Buddy Murphy when there's an actual tag team in his stable. Um, oh. I like that he's play. I, I, I like that he's playing on his sort of messiah complex. Cause I'm always up for a good bit of blasphemy. Uh, but um, so I've not enjoyed really this feud. Um, Kevin Owens, I don't think he's had a particularly good year either. I hate the fact that he uses the Stone Cold Stunner. Um, I don't think... Can, can someone explain that to me? Right, okay, so... Why? why? Basically <laughs> what it is, is he was feuding with Shane McMahon, and so he started using the Stunner because that's what Stone Cold did to Vince. Uh, it's got, really yeah, yeah, fucking okay, stupid. Yeah. I don't think anyone should use that move. No, it, it's quite mad that Kevin Owens has turned into um, the NWO Sting equivalent of Grado. <laughs> he does the rolling slice. Yeah, he does he the has. stunner. He, you know, he, he's he's just a shite Grado. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fucking stupid. Like I remember seeing a um, ICW show once where the um, I went with a uh, friend who like never watched the Indies, and one of the matches was. Um, uh, the uh, the late Lionheart versus uh, Chris Renfrew, and uh, both both those guys I I you know really really rated when I was like still watching ICW, but like unfortunately putting them together, Lionheart's finisher was the rock bottom, and uh, Renfrew's finish oh, was the Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> and my friend was very confused by it, and I was like, yeah, I kind of feel the same about those words. Like moves it's like anyone using the Burning Hammer. Yeah. See, I think. I think you can kind of get away with it in ICW in a sense. It's like, you know how when people like people at like uh, non-league level do a Ronaldo celebration <laughs> when they score or something? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's clearly, okay, it's clearly okay. you know, coming from a place of love when they're doing it. But see, when you're at WrestleMania and you're, you're you know, you're Kevin Owens, yeah, literally any other yeah. move would be fine. Yeah, like, do, do your fucking pop-up powerbomb. That's yeah. great. Like, um, like, I... I, I I, I don't think I don't I, I like Kevin Owens. I like Kevin Owens a lot. I just really have not been feeling this run. I thought the feud with Shane was fucking bollocks, and he like he gave the booking gave Shane far too much. And if you're going to do a rehash of um, Stone Cold versus Vince, don't have the Stone Cold analog get fired and then go. Oh yeah, that's no, fine. I guess like you know. Um, I thought this match was not very interesting at all. I was absolutely like fuming at the fact that they did a DQ and then didn't really get less fuming about the fact they did a DQ finish just to yeah. restart the match and have the face win. Like I don't I don't I don't like either scenario. I did like the fud of the bell on his face though when he hit it. I was... Oh that was good, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll I'll say that. But um this was this was Cena Miz again. Do you remember Cena Miz in the main event when they did that? It was uh, terrible. Yeah, yeah. I was say, the thing that really distressed me about this match is that we know we, we us on the um, Pure Pre podcast, I think it's fair to say we all have a, a wide um, Venn diagram of um, sexual <laughs> interests. Uh, just, uh, where is this going? One thing, I do, one thing I would like to say that I do not appreciate is Seth Rollins um, constant old man orgasm noises oh, after he get hit of that big and you know what he'd <laughs> 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 be the kind of old man that says yeah sure I'm kinky yeah yeah I've done loads of stuff like that and he'd fuck you in missionary and just breathe heavenly and say say yes daddy say yes daddy that, that's exactly 
that's that's exactly <laughs> what the crack would be, right? That's exactly how he would book, and it's just not. It's just, it's no good. Like, right? I'll tell you what. This fucking match, right? What really, 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 really just completely sort of uh, uh, began to grate on me at this point was that um, I feel like Seth Rollins would probably work this match even if he wasn't this kind of match, even if there if there had been people there. Um, like this, the the constant chat between them to the point that obviously that someone had twigged that um, you know. Oh well, we can say some naughty things because it's this is mainly going to be watched on the network, right? So we can do some naughty words. Um, so has there ever been? A, just jump off the fucking thing and elbow him. Don't uh, through the table. Don't don't do this fucking whole like. Oh, I'm going to jump off here now, you bitch. Uh, it's just like like it was so embarrassing. It was like the the. What was he saying? Was it how's this, how's this for, for a wrestle? Oh. Oh, for fuck's sake! It's bad uh, yeah. enough when the commentators say talk you know, about a WrestleMania moment. moment. That I got from that was it made me immediately flash back to a time when I was younger, when I ran to the video store to uh, get out a VHS release of a non-televised episode of Brookside called uh, Brookside: The Lost Weekend. Um, and this, 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 the appeal of this was that it, that. yeah, the appeal of this was that it was an eighteen certificate. So you're like, oh, it's Brookside, but it's a bit racier. Uh, and I'll never, I, I, I was well into it. And as soon as Jimmy Corkill said, Jesus fucking Christ, Lindsay, I, I just, I lost all, I, because I was like, actually, do you know what? I like the self-contained world that Jimmy Corkill lives in. He may well be a hardened heroin dealer from Liverpool uh, who has been shot at, but I don't like hearing him use the word fuck. Uh, it's yeah. like seeing your dad with his cock out. Awful, awful scenes. Uh, um, anyway, yeah, I, I didn't like this match. It fucking sucked. This whole show's rubbish. I hate it. I want to kill myself. Uh, it's just <laughs> worse. Well, you've got half an hour, oh, nearly halfway there. It's so bad. This show. <laughs> not, not much to, not much to say about that. Yeah, stop trying to artificially manufacture WrestleMania moments. It's, it's, it's never going to happen again. No one can remember what happened in the last. I, I can't remember what happened at a single Mania since thirty. Yeah, speaking of absolute toss, uh, moving on to the uh, next match. Uh, I think we might have some differing opinions about this. Uh, David, I know you're a, a, a big, uh, big uh, mark for uh, at least one of the men in this match, or possibly at most one of the men in this match. Uh, this was uh, WWE Universal Championship on the line. Uh, Goldberg defending against uh, Braun Strowman. Now, it was meant to be uh, the big dog, the juggernaut, Roman Reigns, as uh, previously intimated. However, um, things happened and he was not able to be on the show, and quite rightly so, because at the end of the day, uh, your health has to come first and it's you know I kind of wish more people on this show had uh, felt uh, empowered enough within the company to uh, to uh, take that uh, approach uh, so uh, Goldberg versus Braun Strowman um, quite surprised that, uh, that the big lab won actually this one considering he was um, I, I think they kind of had to I guess they probably only got Goldberg on a short term deal again um, but uh, I was actually pretty interested in Reigns versus Goldberg Um just because of like spear versus spear, you know, I think that would have been quite interesting. Uh, Strowman has not been booked especially well uh, for a while now. I think they've kind of run out of things to do with him. And it's really weird when you think that like uh, Vince's, the combination of Vince's raging hard on for seven foot tall monsters and his seeming completely forgetting to how to book them. Um, so you kind of had him beating up uh, Zayn and all, all the lads and making them look idiotic and then losing the IC belt to them. And then he didn't have anything planned. And then he's like, right, you've got a match for the title now. He's just like, why? 
I, I would say he absolutely deserved this title match after his incredible Symphony of Destruction match. Um, <laughs> yeah. Him and Elias versus Nakamura and um, Cesaro, where Nakamura got power slammed into a piano. Um, Nakamura had a rough day at the office in that match. He, yeah, that was a really variety stupid. Variety of instruments he was getting launched at. It, honestly, that that was better than every, every, pretty much every match in this card. If you've not seen it, it's like six minutes long and it's utterly glorious because it's just nonsense. But um, yeah, I mean, Sarah came up with the idea of like, of like, um, it's like if no one knocks on Goldberg's door because of social distancing, is he just not going to come out for the match? Maybe he won't head about a lock and give himself a <laughs> Oh God, the I, I think it's like been you know fairly uh, oft stated that the Rock coming back at Mania twenty eight really did set the precedent. It was like okay, we have to have part timers from a uh, supposed golden era of wrestling at WrestleMania. I, I know you love Goldberg, uh, David, but like every time he works a match, I, I have absolutely no problem with him uh, beating a guy like Dolph Ziggler, who means nothing. Like when he turned up at that, uh, I think it was SummerSlam, and just squashed Dolph Ziggler in two minutes. That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's great. great. I really like that. And Ziggler's a guy who can bump well and make Goldberg look good. Um, and that's a good use of a part-timer. Um, whereas having Goldberg win the Universal title and then, you know, be wrestling in a featured match um, at WrestleMania probably isn't a good use of Goldberg, I would say. It's t- it's typical of this company in the last few years where this used to be a company that was able to very intuitively at times, you know, throughout its like most sort of flourishing periods, be able to ride on the coattails of what was hot and what was not. And it was able to, you know, like not run things into the ground and keep things fresh for an extended period of time. And at least two occasions since Vince has been, uh, you know, in charge of the company. And it, now, like it does things like this, which is it just completely like just like just runs things into the ground like there's no need for us to be there be having to be this many uh like you know um uh, goldberg like appearances there's no need for him to be necessarily winning titles like that that he's then gonna have to defend at things like this like i just feel like it's 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 a it's just a sign of how this company runs things into the ground like i've got very little interest in goldberg like and I have been since more or less the second time they used him, you know, like and it's a shame. Yeah, I I I didn't especially like uh, Goldberg's first run with the with the belts when he came back and he beat I oh, beat Owens off a distraction finish and he had the matches with Lesnar, but they were fine for what they were. I actually think his match against Lesnar at WrestleMania was really good um, for what it was, but um, I don't think we needed like a shitter version yeah, of that. Yeah. Diminishing returns, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it really is. However big a Goldberg mark you are. I mean, look, if you like Goldberg, all those matches against fucking La Parker and Jerry Flynn are on the network. Like, yeah. go go and watch those. Like, just stop encouraging this company to cannibalise its own history. I, I would um, like to counter this by saying I actually really like this, uh, the whole Goldberg thing, for two reasons, right? Two reasons. Um, first of all, we've made it patently clear on this um podcast on several occasions my key zen when it comes to wrestling matches is to make me feel nine years old again that's that's the zen that's what i want to be at because at that time everybody's really happy when they're nine years old it's just the best time that that's what i look for in a match um counter as well as that um i would like to say 
this company is so incredibly cursed, it cannot do anything. It, it will not do anything, even if it could, because it's just incredibly spiteful and petty and just incredibly self-destructive. I, I akin it to, have you ever worked at a really bad job? Like, a really bad <laughs> job. Yeah. And um, you, 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 you can't leave the job. The job is there. But you want to, you want to completely detach yourself from the job, but you can't, you're there. So you have your little victories, your little small patter-some victories, just a little bit of patter where you just, you do something so silly and inconsequential where you're like, I'll take this. You know, you steal a pencil every day. You you write the same thing in your monthly appraisal for the first 16 months, which I definitely did not do. I should say that in case my old You go to the toilet just to have a sit down um, and a cry. Right? Yeah, yeah, just you, you, yeah, you, you, you change your entire dietary habits so that you take an eighteen-minute shit at work just so you get paid for it, and they can't do anything about it. It's just really silly things. This company is not going to do what you want. It's never. No. It's not going to no. do it. They are awful. They will always be awful. I am completely checked out on it. Any sort of crumb of just, you know what? It's like you when you're a nine again. Goldberg's a champion. I'm like, right, fine, that's fine. Who who are they going to else are going to put on? Seth Rollins, Kevin. I don't give a fuck. Give me Goldberg. Right, I'll I'll gladly give me Goldberg. Goldberg. <laughs> I was like, somebody wanted to like, like the fiends. I was like, right, we'll we'll get onto the fiend later. But basically, when they, when they beat the fiends, you, you, George, you you probably remember I went mental because I fucking love Goldberg. I don't really like the fiends, and uh, it's just like, yeah, I, I, I would gladly have Goldberg just win the title in perpetuity every two, three years for the next fucking 15 years. I don't care. Give him a three month reign. I don't give a shit. Yeah. They're not going to do anything better with it. It's, and th- this match, now I will say Goldberg versus Braun Strowman was a literal dream match for me. Braun Strowman, obviously, I'm, I still think of him as a guy who tipped over monster trucks and stuff and done all the mad stuff that we all remember. And he was against Goldberg, like that. That at the time when that when that Brock Braun match happened, if that Goldberg match had happened, then everyone would be really into it. I this was a dream match for me in the sense that um, it's just two people I absolutely adore facing off against each other. And yeah, it was like two and a half minutes. But you know what? In the age of 38-minute IWGP title matches, I'll fucking take two and a half-minute WWE title matches any day. I really enjoyed this. It isn't 6394. Of course it's not. It was good fun. They just launched each other about and hit spears. And just it made me forget that I have lots of credit card debt for four minutes. I'll take that. I really I, like this. I, I, I appreciated the realism of it because I don't know if they did many moves other than their finishes. But, like, surely if you have a move which is better than your other move, you would go for it more. You know what I mean? It's not It's not like in kayfabe finishes are especially more difficult to pull off. It's not like you have to get your opponent in the proper position for the strapation dude. Like, it's... Um, it's it's just one of it's just it's like it's like when uh, I had some mates around for a curry and we did a rumble on uh, WWE 12 and my mate Simon um, <laughs> without anyone noticing Jeez, set boy. his finishes to infinite and literally the <laughs> only movie did for the entire rumble was the Stone Cold Stunner. I I used to do that. I used to I used to have a thing in every 2K game where I would have um, Stone Cold Steve Austin win the Internet Championship to promote his podcast. <laughs> every single match <laughs> Every single uh, match uh, would be finisher, a uh, finisher match, 
and then we put Stone Cold to infinite finishers and have like an eight-man battle royal where mm-hmm. I literally just stun seven people and knock them out and just retain the title. And I, I, that, that was that was pretty much this, to be honest. And I, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the I like the of it. I think you're. This is dad wrestling. This is real dad wrestling, and that you could watch this with your dad. If you said to him, "Right, Goldberg won 173 matches in a row. He was the first ever undefeated world champion. Braun Strowman lifted a fucking monster truck, and they're facing off against each other." Your dad would be like, "Fuck, I'm in for this. I'm, 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 I want to see who wins it." It's like, it's like, the, it's like when my dad got really interested in Algeria versus South Korea at the World Cup, even though he hates football. And he's just like, just a sort of a, a gripping story where it's just like, even he could appreciate it. That that was this. This was the Algeria, South Korea of wrestling. I honestly, <laughs> I've, I, I, every second I speak about this, I love it more. And then... <laughs> okay, well, let, let's, let's, let's move on to the next match then. Um, this is the, um, uh, so the main event of this show uh, was the... Uh, oh boy. Yeah, I almost forgot so about So the, uh, the Undertaker uh, versus... Uh, the phenomenal one, AJ Styles, in a boneyard match. So um, I'm very, I'm very uh, uh, upset that the um, story put out by uh, Ryan Sasson, who's definitely not on WWE's payroll, um, saying that this was going to be something akin to a Punjabi prison, but made out of bones, did not come to pass. However, I'm very, I'm very happy with what we did get. So the thing is, doing an, I mean, firstly, doing a 19-minute Undertaker match in the year of our Lord 2020. This is yeah. the only possible way to do it because with the best one in the world, The Undertaker, I would say up until WrestleMania 30, I'd say it's about seven years in a row where we had the best match at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Um, and the reason was it was because even if he he would he hadn't wrestled at all like the, the year before and you'd seen pictures of him like a month before WrestleMania looking like fucking Mike from Breaking Bad and just looking like really rough and like he wasn't <laughs> in physical shape to do anything. Um, you knew that when he would come out of WrestleMania, he would be The Undertaker and he'd do all the stupid dives and the big dramatic moments and you'd have, you'd have a really great match on your hands. And then, you know, as he got older and his body broke down more, you, he would sometimes give you a great match, like some of those Lesnar rematches after the concussion one, like, they were very good. But more and more, you were just getting, like, broken down, I'm just a broken down piece of meat. Um, <laughs> like, Taker versus Goldberg representing the, the nadir of that, uh, I would say. Um, but, you know, they've got Jeremy Borash on the payroll now, who was behind a lot of these uh, TNA things, like um, uh, the final deletion, uh, he had some input into the, uh, the shooting style of that as I understand and uh, some any, any of the sequels to that um, so I appreciate that they did something uh, a bit out of the box uh, for this and it's like yeah okay if this is going to be an empty arena Wrestlemania yeah okay do have some of the matches take place other other spaces um, I really enjoyed this I think it was most people's match of the night um, certainly the reaction on social media people were very down on the show until the Boneyard match started <laughs> like it was so yeah. stupid and it was so cheesy and it was just every single grimdark spooky scary skeletons cliche that has been associated with The Undertaker throughout his very, very uh, long and possibly overlong career. Um, but from the point <laughs> where you just had a, a coffin being brought out and then AJ Styles um, uh, sitting up and going, <laughs> and like, you knew you were going to be in for something that at the very least would be very memorable. 
and I actually think yeah. really succeeded in what it was trying to do, whatever yeah, that may I mean, have been. This was, I mean, this Brian Adams video was probably the, it, 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 it did what it set out to achieve. Uh, you know, like, um, and you can't really ask for much more than that. I, I did think maybe this is one of those things where because what you've seen before is so uniformly and kind of like, um, also kind of uniquely given the circumstances, um, sort of like, um, sort of uniquely dull. Then having this on sort of sort of dolloped on top afterwards is this like it'd be a bit like having like you know a really shit packet of instant noodles for like your tea. And then for, like, your dinner, you get, like, you know, fucking, you know, a g- gelato, like, uh, a finest Italian gelato ice cream. You get, like, you know, a bit of sticky toffee pudding, uh, like, you know, all that kind of thing. It was, like, it was just, it was such a sweet, um, like, you know, contrast to the sort of dull stuff that had come before. And I really enjoyed, like, um, uh, a lot of it. However, I don't think I was as quite as high on it as everyone else, because I feel like a lot of the reaction to it, I think a lot of it was based on how bad the stuff previously had been and people were just desperate for anything that had some atmosphere. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when I... uh, So I got... Because Sarah's a massive Undertaker fan and uh, even even allowing the last few years where I think she's... Um, she's she's allowing me to say negative things about him now, so I think that uh, proves just how much uh, the bloom is off the rose on on that score. But like, I got her this streak DVD that they brought out when he was twenty and zero, and the streak still hadn't been broken. And the first few matches were rough going because you had the um, I think like some you know he was pretty green at the time, and you had like nothing he matches against Jake the Snake and uh, and Jimmy Murderfly Snooker uh, his first two mm-hmm. WrestleMania appearances and then you had the fucking Giant Gonzalez match and then the I, next I, match I want to mention something about the Giant Gonzalez match later we'll get, we'll get All to right. it later but... and the, uh, yeah. the, ne- the next match was against Diesel and um, I was just watching the match. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And so I was like, it's not that good. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. But compared to what's gone before, this is like Misawa and Kabashi to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I yeah, I think people I don't think people were I think. Yeah, I think people were responding to what had gone before and how different this was and how crazy it was. And people were just like laughing their ass off at the very concept of The Undertaker wrestling, wrestling AJ Styles in a boneyard. It's. Like, I mean, I, I'd mentioned previously in, in the group about how I was, I was absolutely all here for it to be spooky, cooky, skeletons, and all, like, you know, organs and just, you know, absolute uh, witchcraft out, out the wazoo. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. It was I, I, so yeah, much yeah. fun. It was, it was just, it's just so much fun. And, like, again, like, you could, if you're one of these people, you know, that, watches WrestleMania and it's only wrestling you had this year. This is kind of a nice a nice wee refresher as as Daniel said, whereby you're like, right, this has been real bad. This might be the last time we watch WrestleMania and you know you know you know you get to a point where you, you have a tradition and it gets really bad and you're just like, Are we gonna miss the next one? This kinda kept you in it where you're like, Yeah, like you enjoy you can be the most, you know, um, lapsed fan who liked The Undertaker when they were younger and watched this and you'll get something out of it. The only critique that I have of this match no. is that they should have just paid Kid Rock the money and yeah. that's not something I am very much <laughs> deigned to say very often. They should have just paid Kid Rock the, the royalties and used American Badass because uh, like, I mean, me and Linky can attest American Badass is the anthem of our culture. It's you know, it, it, it means a lot to us. It's a golf classic. 
and in my head though didn't he only use that for like a few months and then it was like rolling no no in between it was uh uh people were you know talking shit about his jicky generation and then and then it uh, and then it was rolling after that oh my god was yeah, it? yeah 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 it was a really? two limb biscuit songs what? back to back Whose generation? The ones that fucking lost legs in Nam. Like, <laughs> like... I saw my buddies like face down in the boneyard. Yeah, this is so much fun. It's just camp nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The whole thing's basically just Jacob's ladder. Uh, this is the imagined like sort of like nighttime ravings of uh, the takers uh, of parallel dimension Vietnam vet. Uh, yeah, like I, yeah, that's the thing. Actually, I, mean, I think firstly, just uh, just an aside, I think I really will be up for watching the next WrestleMania even after this because it's going to have a crowd, um, and it'll just yeah, it's the yeah. same. It's the Undertaker Diesel syndrome again. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing we didn't mention actually. For all that this was, we thought this was going to be the uh, the uh, spooky, scary boneyard match. He was bugger red his back, guys. <laughs> bugger oh, red his back. Oh, you done it now. Oh. You've done it now. You've gone and donated to the Ted Cruz campaign. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and oh, but there, but I mean, he, he was. But there was nods to his other eras as well. You know, he's got magic powers again. Love to see it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The bit with the uh, lightning, and then like, I love the idea that like it was. It was like the Undertaker came to the Boneyard. It wasn't like he'd set it up, but like he was still able to make his symbol appear, the Crucifix. You know. Yeah. 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 I, w- I would like to say the thing that I really loved about this match as well, as I mentioned, I'm here for the patter. I just want Goldberg to win the title over two years. But this now puts Undertaker versus Sting back in the table because I really, <laughs> I really yeah. want Undertaker versus Sting in a Boneyard match now. And then I was like, is there any other person I'd like to see as much in a Boneyard match with the Undertaker or Sting? And then I thought, outside the box, Ellie Park. So Tom Finney. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like Sting, Sting could do one of these. Yeah, he could absolutely. He's like, did the Undertaker take any bumps really in this in this match? I don't. I don't think he took one. You could easily like. You could easily like dial it back to zero. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think you could easily do another Undertaker Sting Boneyard match. And I, to be honest, I think they will. Yes, it will probably be in a highly insensitive Saudi Arabia show, but I don't care. I'll hail the Prince Mohammed bin Salman <laughs> if it does happen. But it's, yeah, it's like, this is, yeah, I, I, this, this is rejuvenated the Undertaker. You can get another five years out of him this. Just every year to do this once or twice and everyone will watch it. And it was so much fun. I would gladly watch him do this for the rest of his career. I don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, have have him squash people in ninety seconds in Saudi Arabia, and then do boneyard matches at WrestleMania. That's all I want from the Undertaker. I don't care. Just do that. Yeah, yeah. I think talking about boneyards in Saudi Arabia might be a little bit close to the fucking bone, no. as it were. Um, but um, so that was that was night one. Let's uh, move on to night two before we end, end up. Uh, talk, oh God, talk there's a night two. Season. Oh God. I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you When I go out Yeah, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you If I get drunk Well, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you And if I heave Yeah, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who's heavering to you But I won't walk 
Okay, so we're back for uh, night two of our uh, WrestleMania review. Uh, Song Daniel, uh, he has just taken delivery of two very lovely cats. Um, so we wish him the best of luck with that. Um, I would certainly rather be um, uh, playing with cats than uh, talking about WrestleMania night two. I'm not not especially a cat person either, so that uh, uh, tells you something. David's uh, um, stay behind. You can uh, hear from that uh, very very uh, Caledonian laughter in the background. So let's um, let's uh, crack on so we can do something more fulfilling with our lives and uh, start now. Just to summarise. Um, uh, day two as opposed to day one the thing is about day one is like however much we have slated it in the early part of this review i actually did have a really good time watching it um just i, I think just like the interaction online and with our mates so we had a facebook thread uh, going for it there was like a lot of piss taking the boneyard match was really fun so i can't say that i didn't enjoy the experience of watching wrestlemania it doesn't uh quite compare with having mates round for it um nearly getting evicted from our flat because our friend pete uh like shouted very loudly at the hardy boys return at about four in the morning uh that sort of stuff and that's the other thing i will say for it actually like we did get to bed at at least a somewhat reasonable hour it was great like i i was able to revive i think i've talked i think i talked about this previously uh, on the podcast at a previous wrestlemania review i got to revive my long uh, dormant tradition for wrestlemania whereby see before it was a biblical ben harl style epic of like six and a half hours long you used, yeah yeah you used, you used to like finish wrestlemania at like four or something like that and you'd be like i'm tired but I'm not. I don't want to move. Like I'm not. I don't have the. I don't have the energy. I just kind of want to just sit here and just simmer on the couch. And we used to watch whatever was in challenge. Oh, time. lovely. Um. So we we found the TV show Defectors for this way and a whole bunch of other ones. Every year we'd always watch whatever was on challenge because it's always weird shit that they put on at like four or five a.m. Uh, but back before the days of just consistently being the chase or bullseye over and over again but um so we got to revive that because i finished at three o'clock and we're like well let's see what's on and um the tv show babushka with rylan clark neil was on um <laughs> and what is that let me tell you what what a ride what a ride i was in for the ultimate thrill ride babushka with rylan clark neil it's basically it's a quiz show but it's like deal or no deal if deal or no deal had several like uh, Russian babushka dolls, you know the dolls that are inside of each other. <laughs> yes, and then yes. You, you pick a doll, and they all have names like Katya and Katerina, and you're like you you pick. I, I I would like to I would like to open Katya today, and then like they open up and they see whether or not there's any money in it, and they can keep going. And there's more like some of them, all the dolls have money, some of them don't. So, it's yeah, it's wonderful. I was it's certainly if you take anything away from this WrestleMania review, go watch Babushka with Rylan Clark Neal because it was utterly utterly baffled by this. I mean, I don't really know much about Rylan Clark Neal, but if he's not Noel Edmonds, I will happily take it. Yes, absolutely. Oh, do you remember Cheap Cheap Cheap? Do you remember that program that he did? Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's um, there's there's a um, I don't know if there's a, there's a guy called Stuart Millard who has a is a UK fan forum guy who has a blog called Frantic Planet, and he uh. God knows why he does it to himself, but he goes through um, certain curios of uh, TV uh, like that. And he's got numerous uh, articles he's written on Noel Edmonds and uh, stuff that he's done in the past. Uh, but like, I don't know if he's even he was uh, masochistic enough to put himself through uh, cheap, cheap, cheap. Well, I tell you who who, like, who wouldn't be um, watching cheap, 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 and that's press officer of Wealden District Council, Jim Vanden Boss. 
<laughs> oh god if you know what we're talking about like um it's honestly yeah, the no, best no, thing no, ever that's ever happened on british tv no, yeah no no has decided that the um the the most pressing issue in the world wasn't social uh, inequality or uh, racial discrimination or anything like that but uh, pc gone mad and local council offices so we just cut this unhinged promo on live tv about this uh like jobs with council officer and then and then his show got cancelled so that was um it's one of the the um yeah, it was like this show, which was this uh, cross between surprise, surprise, and a national front rally. Yeah, and um, network. You've seen that film, Network, where he just has a mental breakdown on air. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, it was literally that. Anyway, sorry, sorry. We clearly, clearly don't want to talk about uh, WrestleMania Night Two. So let's. Um, yeah, so it starts off. Um, so uh, NXT Women's Championship on the line. Uh, Rhea Ripley versus uh, Charlotte Flair. Uh, so this match had a. Um, I, I thought the build to this was 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 good. Um, you had the uh, uh, you have Charlotte wanting to come back to NXT and prove that she was still the dominant force that she was there, which I don't think anyone actually would doubt because she's won every title going in the main on the main roster on numerous occasions. So uh, it's kind of a bit Rhea Ripley, I think, is an example of WWE actually for wanting their stupid pig lives actually capitalizing on someone while the iron was hot. And putting the belt on her when she really had this momentum. They've done a good job of giving her the super push in that uh, Survivor Series weekend. But they really do need to decide what NXT is. Because we've we've talked we've talked before um, earlier in the episode about how it's really not as good as it used to be. And I think part of it is you used to kind of in the same way that if you watch Japanese wrestling and you have your young boys in New Japan and you see them develop their skills or, or your Joshi rookies or whatever, you can see them improve themselves and actually improving themselves, not just in their kayfabe win loss record, but in their technical skill and things like that. You used to have that with NXT where it's like, OK, like these guys aren't ready for TV but you can see them having fun storylines with people. It's like Bull Dempsey and Baron Corbin were both super green and didn't know many moves. Okay, we'll do a feud where mm. they just compete to see who can squash jobbers the fastest. That was that was really entertaining. And now they've got it where they're basically signing ready-made indie guys um, who you, you could you could have put every single member of the Undisputed Era on the main roster as soon as you sign them. Don't give me any of that patronising bullshit about like oh Fergal Devitt needs to learn how to work the hard cam, you know, you know all that, all that, uh, all that stuff. So re- really, what it is now is what you might call a boutique promotion, wherein it's really a third brand with a different aesthetic to this. But that, that's all it is. I mean, you had them winning so many of the of the three way Survivor Series matches, where that you know, okay, so in kayfabe, is NXT the best? Because they've just won all these matches against Raw and SmackDown, but then why are people just coming straight into the company and having to go through NXT before they like graduate to the main roster, if you like? Yes, it's very bizarre because I am um, Evolve has basically become NXT at this point, hasn't it? Like Evolve is the the place where they send all the people to go and do you know to learn the craft and all that, and then they, yeah, they learn at the performance center and that, but the actual shows where they have all these green people. Not green, but you know what I mean. Like people <laughs> that actually need to, like you know, hone their craft a little bit. They just go to evolve and you know, like a Fabian Eichner winning the Evolve Championship and stuff like that. That that's what that was. NXT is literally it's really deviated from what it was, and that this was meant to be where they go to learn and stuff like that. Now these people aren't going to learn, and if anything, like a lot of these people don't want to leave NXT because they like they they get a creative freedom and stuff like that, and they're allowed to express themselves. 
and it's become it's just become the ultimate super indie. It's just become that this place where WWE have cultivated a brand that is sort of counterculture, so to speak, but it's part of the culture. So uh, in that way, but they, they've been able to give this illusion of counterculturalness that yeah. isn't necessary. That, that is what they crave because there is a lot of people out there who specifically are reactionary against WWE who want to you know support support something else and they're a bit too lazy and they just you know think NXT's that sort of count that that's counterculture thing that it that now certainly it's not yeah it kind of reminds me of like um you know post-soviet dictators setting up uh, opposition parties that are uh, bankrolled by the regime it, it's like it's like how um when they did the ecw revival in 2006 and um that kind of fulfilled a similar role to uh, what nxt is now really and um but they they actually called it the alternative to the wwe it's like no it's still wwe you you can't just absorb the indies i mean they're, they're giving it a good fucking go but um you know it's yeah so i mean my, my my frustrations with the nxt product aside um i thought this match was good it got a, a decent amount of time um i thought the two of them worked well together hit each other hard which is the theme of a lot of these um a lot of these matches um and uh i baffled at the winner oh it's it's just bizarre it's, like, it's really bizarre i think vince has this little uh, bell in his head that will uh, go off if he doesn't put Charlotte Flair over in a title match at least once a month. Yeah, it's it's just strange. I, w- I wanted to also mention as well because they brought they brought this up in the in the video. They mentioned Charlotte Flair as a ten time champion, and now she's going for the NXT title again. The NXT title isn't in no, in those ten titles because she won the Divas title, she won the Raw title five yeah. times, and won the SmackDown title four times. But they were they were pushing hard, going, "This is the next one." In the, in the lineage, and you're like, it's, but they're not counting in the lineage because then she'd be an eleven-time champion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because she's yeah, because she was the NXT champion. It's not like, you know, if you're if you've won the Premier League, do you, like, are you really going to think it's that important if you like go back to League One and win the fucking auto windscreen shield, which which you won when you were nineteen and on loan at Swindon Town? You know, it's um, it, it's really baffling. Like in in kayfabe. Like, why would Charlotte want the NXT title aside from just to lord it over the developmental brand? I mean, maybe that's as good a... Um, that actually does fit with her character. But it kind of... It does leave a taste in your mouth where, you know, they had such a, they've done such a good job of building up Rhea Ripley in, like, the last six months or so that they, I think, really missed the boat on giving her this really defining win that... Um, would actually get her over more with uh, the casual fan than say beating uh, Shayna Baszler did. Yeah, no, I I I, t- I totally agree. Like it's, it, yeah, like I, I mean, you have to think that a lot. Uh, certainly, quite a few of these results, if they were in front of a crowd, would have been a bit different. But yeah, this might be one of them. I get the feeling that this was always the plan oh you think it was yeah okay okay i can, I can... the reason i think it was always the plan right. is i think that they they don't really have anything for charlotte to do they can't have her against becky again they can't have her against bailey again they, they've burnt out those matches so much that she's literally just in um uh, a sort of limbo and Obviously, like we we've not really been talking about it like over the last couple of weeks and that because of, we know what's going on, but the the, the all important Wednesday night war, George. The ratings you got to won't someone think about the ratings having Charlotte as an NXT champion 
Yeah. Apparently, might spike creativity. I don't even think it will. I don't think anything's going to do that. Like, you know, you see Charlotte every week in Raw and SmackDown, like, putting her on NXT. Oh, it, it's good once or twice, but she's already been on there, like, for, what, a month and a half. Yeah. I... They kind of diluted that already. Yeah, I think I think what I think what I will say is there are some fresh matchups for her down there. Whereas I yeah. think with the scarce relative scarcity of the amount of uh, women in each division, and we'll I think that's something we'll talk about when we get onto the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Um, I I think you do they do end up exhausting all the possible matchups for these women um, far quicker than they do the men, just because I I don't know if I'm right in saying that the amount of TV time the women get is probably more than the proportion of the roster that they make up. I might have to check that, but it certainly feels like they exhaust all the possible combinations of the women, uh, like, very quick. Yeah, no, no, that seems like a perfectly um, valid criticism. Definitely. But um, I, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was actually good. I thought it was better than the Becky match last, the night before. I thought they did a lot more of this. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I, I felt this was far superior to the uh, Becky and Shayna match. And it led me for the next four days just shouting, This is my brutality! Oh, it's a, it's a good song, isn't it? Like... It's so good, yeah. It's good fun. But um, it just, I just heard myself shouting out and I was taking the bins out and stuff like that. Just because <laughs> it's just, it just it's, it's a bit of an earworm, that, just that bit. But um, yeah, but no, it's good fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, I mean, you know what is uh, the real brutality? That's Randy Orton taking the bins out. <laughs> Ne- Randy Orton separ- separating his shoulder taking the bins out will never not be funny <laughs> because it's Randy Orton it is yes Randall Keith Orton Randall Keith Orton um, so yeah Charlotte versus Rhea um, this was uh, one of the stronger matches on Wrestlemania as a whole I would say I yeah like I say work, work well together uh, baffled at the result that left a, a weird taste in my mouth but um, so did a lot of this show so um Right, okay, next match is... Why the fuck was this on the show? Um, uh, Alistair Black versus Bobbert Lashley uh, with Lana. Why? Do you know what, right? Somebody brought this up, right? And I was like, this could have been quite fun. Like, Alistair Black's a kickboxer. Bobby Lashley is a former Bellator fighter. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Never thought of that angle. I was like, you know what, right? WrestleMania... It's an empty arena. They left. They sort of left their own devices. They've probably asked for this match for some reason. Like I could, I could have absolutely seen them either being given this match and thinking, right, we could maybe do something else because, as we mentioned before, yeah. everyone's working a bit stiff and all that. I could have absolutely seen them having a really fun match here. I mean, Bobby Lashley never was the greatest in the world, but there is good qualities of him. His matches in TNA and stuff like that were very, very good when he was TNA champion and all that. He was a really, really good champion. I can absolutely have seen something here where they were like, yeah, you know what? I, I could have I could have seen them pulling something off. Didn't know. No, no, they Probably. didn't. Like, I think Bobby Lashley, insofar as he has good matches, they tend to occur when he more leans into the MMA shtick. And, you know, uh, he... I get the feeling they did sign him to be the, the Sainsbury's basics Brock Lesnar. Um, in the okay, Brock's not going to be around all the time, but but what I thought was going to happen is okay, you can have Bobby Lashley, maybe they'll build to a match between him and Lesnar because like you know okay, Bellator isn't like UFC, but like he's got got a, a pretty good record in MMA. Mm-hmm. You could easy, you could easily build him up like that. Uh, they don't seem to have done that. They seem to um, like unfortunately he's got uh, um, swept up in the uh, cooking storyline uh, vortex like so many of the Dolului uh, roster have in the uh, in the last 12 months and when I saw he was against Alistair Black I was like 
okay, this is literally like, but if you're doing a match to like just get people on the card, I mean, Ricochet didn't have a match. Uh, Strowman wasn't going to have a match until he got parachuted into the uh, Universal title picture. Um, so, I mean, I thought this was, it was perfectly competently executed. Um, Black Mass is great. I'll always, I'll always pop for Black Mass, just absolutely leveling fuckers. It's the whack. It's the whack that it makes. Amazing. Like, and there are loads of people who have uh, very, very good uh, roundhouse kicks. I'm thinking of uh, Mike Bailey, uh, Tam Nakano, people like that. But um, like Alistair Black does it the best. And um, just when he, um, he, and it's it's a proper out of nowhere move as well. And we know how much they love that in the Fed. And uh, like it's uh, so that was good. Didn't really think much of the match, but it was clearly there just as a. Just to cool, cool down the crowd after the uh, after the uh, twenty minutes opener uh, that they had. Um, so not really got a huge amount to say other than I like Alistair Black. It was nice to see him on a WrestleMania. Uh, Lashley, I can take or leave. Um, they seem to be teasing a uh, breakup angle with him and Lana. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing who uh, Bobby Lashley gets uh, cooked by in turn. I'm sure Paul Heyman has got a um, a fucking Scorsese-like storyboard uh, for that one uh, as we speak. <laughs> like, it's it's incredible how craven Paul Heyman is and just putting his sexual fantasies out on, on like, on display or on a TV show. Yeah, and, that, and that's us saying that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, can, you, can you imagine if I just, like, piloted a show about Bison Kimura? Come on. Like, yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you just imagine if you'd sent a uh, eight episode, uh, uh, eight episode uh, synopsis of that to uh, ABC. I, I know, right? Because I mean, Channel Five rejected it, so there was no chance of ABC taking it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but um, Channel Five will fucking uh, put anything on. They they really will see some of the nonsense they've been putting on. Oh, I seen. I, I ended. I actually watched something on Channel Five for the first time. In years, apart from, I always watch those Britain's Best Cereal or Britain's Best Biscuit. They always have those. Those are the only things that grab me. But I watched a program about the Heinz Factory. Um, you really can tell that I don't want to talk about WrestleMania tonight. <laughs> uh, it was about the Heinz Factory, and it was quite mad. And I thought, right, this is just all those How It's Made programs that my dad watches. And I'm like, they're all right. But then I started watching this for five minutes, and I was like, fucking hell, beans are really interesting. And then just watched the whole hour. <laughs> So I would definitely. Beans would are definitely, really interesting. They are. I would definitely recommend Inside the Heinz Factory. It will be on Five on Demand. Uh, go check that out. It's far better than this. The twist is they actually make fifty-eight varieties. <laughs> um, so uh, actually, uh, this next match. So um, weirdly enough, uh, Dolph Ziggler versus Otis Dozovich had probably one of the best builds out of any match on the uh, on the card. Croatia's greatest export, Otis Dozovich. <laughs> there was this. Like, there was this video Brian Alvarez did quite recently about how, like, this is the best-built storyline on SmackDown. And you know what? It's actually true. Like, I, I, it's really, like, it's really stupid. Yes. Like, it feels very much like the sort of thing that they liked to do in, say, um... No, I'll tell you what it gave me the vibe of. Very much, um, Dawn Marie and Al Wilson and, uh... And stuff. Not that. Not that. That. That's the precise dynamic. But that's the vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I am. Um, 
I, I have to I have to give them credit here, which I'm usually loath to do, but you know how when you see you you you, you hear listen to other podcasts, I, I know it's a tough to think to think about fans because you only listen to us, but um when you listen to um other podcasts talking about it and and they always but they're they're not like esteemed media professionals so to speak, they're just like fans yeah. talking about it, and they'll always go. They'll always book stuff. They'll always do fantasy booking, and they'll always go like say Survivor Series and oh, we'll do something for Survivor Series, and then the ending of Survivor Series will lead in, and they'll feud and feud and feud, and then it'll build to a match at WrestleMania, and they always talk about like building feuds to climax at WrestleMania. That never happens. They don't do mid card feuds that climax in a big match at WrestleMania. It doesn't no. happen. Like yeah, the, the prime example is remember that Gold Dust Cody Rhodes match on fa- uh, like Fastlane. Yeah, they put it on the pay per view before because they were now doing it at WrestleMania because that's not what WrestleMania is for. But a lot of people don't really see that. They just think this this should be the culmination of all these feuds, and it, it never is. I think that's a perfect thing for the, the pre show. To be honest, you should just do that in the pre show. Do like three four matches of feuds that just culminate there. But um, this was an honest to god feud that had built and built and built. To the big show off at, at WrestleMania, and it was, it was, I was like, fair enough. This is a mid card match between two two people who are in a feud. The storyline has been built, and they're having their first touching at WrestleMania. Fair play, it's not happened in God knows how long. No, that like, is that at is least true. a decade. And I was like, fair enough. I mean, um, I mean, I, I think you mean Big Showdown rather than Big Show Off because I've just like had a horrible image of a makeshift Big Show and Dolph Ziggler tag team <laughs> pop into my head unbidden. How dare you um, besmirch a good name of Shozig? <laughs> Shozig. God, I can even imagine the the fucking theme is like, well, I'm here to big show the world. Like, it's just... Like, uh, Jim, Jim Johnston, um, pay me royalties. Um, C- CFO dollar sign. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I mean, I, I, I could do without, like, the, the general sort of... Um, like, oh, the hot girl is uh, going for the, like, less conventionally attractive bloke. Is, you know, come on, guys. But, like, um, uh, like I, 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 I like the big dozer. Um, he's an entertaining he's an entertaining wrestler. People love the big fat bloke doing the worm. Got a lot of agility for a guy who is basically square. Yeah, pretty much. I uh, Linda didn't know he did the worm as well. So that was quite, oh, amazing. Was quite the shock for her when he pulled out. She was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't tell you specifically because for this moment. Yeah, he's good and like him just saying Tucky when he's talking to Tucker Knight is funnier than every episode of Miranda. Yes. Like you can quote me on that. So I like that. Um, and they introduced the like little bit more intrigue with like uh, Sonia Deville um, turning heel and um, like the the match was good. It had the like it well. I'm not saying it was a fucking five star classic, but like Ziggler bumps well for big guys. Uh, Otis is entertaining. Um, it didn't outstay its welcome. Uh, thumbs up, really. Yeah, and I had a, I had a bit of Jerry Springer-ish shenanigans, so I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll take that. That was a, 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 a better than it had any right to be. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yeah, not outstaying its welcome is something you can't say of all of the matches on this show, um, as we will maybe um, determine when we get to the next match, which was Last Man Standing, the aforementioned Randall Keith Orton versus uh, a returning Edge. I, I like the build for this as well. Like It was a great moment to see Edge return at the uh, at the Royal Rumble when he came out and he's ready to do his big badass entrance, and then you can tell he gets like really emotional at the huge crowd response for him. 
and he gets this look on his face like he just can't quite believe that he's back and uh, able to get in the ring again. Um, so I really like that. I thought that the, the idea that Randy Orton was, would be like, um, no, I'm, I'm making you stay retired because I don't want you to hurt yourself again would like make sense as sort of warped heel justification where he's he's kind of right in a sense but he goes about it in completely the wrong way that's the thing actually randy orton's been in some like pretty good feuds it's just whenever it gets to the matches that's when it that's when the uh the heat tends to fall apart it's very it's very triple h isn't it it's it's a triple h and randy orton they both have this curse of building up really great feuds up to wrestlemania and then it just kind of dying on its arse, and it gets there like the Triple H. It was the Roman one, and the Seth Rollins one, and the Andy Orton one, and Orton's done this as well with countless people as well. And it's like, yeah, it's it's it, it is bizarre, but um, yeah, like this this match, um, I might surprise a lot of people, and by the seeing this, I really quite like this. Yeah, that's not an opinion I've seen uh, passed around very much with regards to this match. I now I will preface this by saying I don't watch Tarantino films, right? And and you're wondering where this is going, right? But am I right in saying I'll cut this out if not? Am I right in saying that a general criticism of Tarantino these days is that he makes good films, but they're they're a bit too long, and if he shaved off like twenty minutes at the end or something like that, they'd probably be a lot lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. the uh, the the hateful eight is probably the uh, yeah. The that, that's one that I was thinking that, yeah. of. Yeah, the hateful eight were basically he makes great films. He just needs a bit of an editor, and if he was able to cut it down a little bit, they'd be a lot lot better. But people generally quite quite like them. That was my view of this one. No, I hate last man standing matches. It's probably my least favorite stipulation in all of wrestling. I think they're so dull um, a lot of the time. But I will say the thing that this had going for it was. This literally was a, a playthrough of WCW Backstage Assault. That's, that's what this was. <laughs> it, it, it genuinely was, yeah. And I um, I have a, a deep, deep fascination for like backstage areas and like the the bills of like stadiums and arenas and stuff. And just like going places that you shouldn't necessarily see and stuff like that. So to get an entire guided tour of the Performance Centre for me was wonderful because I just love the, the minutiae of all this all these rooms that you would never see and they're brawling in them and just like I like to be able to plan a layout in, in my head of like you could be you could literally and I'm not joking here you could literally build the performance center in Minecraft using this match I think that's a pretty fair assumption you could go into Minecraft and build a replica of the performance center with all the rooms from this match because you went into every room you seen what it was like you seen all these rooms you never get to see and i loved it i, I thought it was great I, I just liked going to see this i did not like the chris benoit tribute spot when he talked to him with gym oh, equipment but... no that was um <laughs> i yeah i thought it was a bit a bit much when he uh, texted chara guerrero after that to say the dogs are in the enclosed pool area <laughs> oh. yeah that that was like it's very I mean, I, I think it's just symptomatic of, like, sometimes this company has, like, no idea how things look yeah. or things will look when people view them. Apart from that, I I really enjoyed this. It was very long. Do you know this is the second longest match in WrestleMania history? 
yes, I did. Besides the uh, the uh, WrestleMania twelve main event. Yeah, thirty eight yeah. minutes. This was thirty eight. I, I minutes. could not believe it when I looked at. Uh, People tweeting out the length of the match. I was like, "No, fuck off!" They're clearly just saying, "Oh, it felt like it went that uh, that oh, long." It generally was, and it was like, I'll, I'll say fair play to them, right, for taking, for thinking about how to use this concept and make it into a match that would work. Because can you imagine if we just done a normal last man standing match in the in the ring? Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't, so wouldn't have been great, especially this, if it was this length. You're getting a bit of a bit, getting a bit of scenery, a bit of change, you know, um, a variety in terms of your surroundings and stuff like that. So I can't say I dislike this. I really like this. I, I'm, in fact, I might be able to tell you what number it was in my match of the year poll. Um, oh, oh no, it's not like one. Don't worry, but. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, to, to be honest, whatever number it is in your match of the year, Paul, will probably be staying at that number, um, it's looking like. Number 14. Bloody hell. Wow. I, I, I think there would be a lot of people who would argue, argue it wasn't in the best four, 14 matches at WrestleMania 36. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's like, I've got it, wait, like 50 places above like Naito and um, <laughs> KY and Akada. Oh, yeah. No, so do I. So do I. Yeah, because I really didn't like them. So like, I I don't know. Like this was, I, I really enjoyed this. It was it was good fun. It's just nonsense. It is literally an a, a, like a playthrough of WCW Backstage Assault, and I love Backstage Assault because it's terrible. But I get to go into the green room with Sting, and like, I was like, you know what? This is this is perfectly fine. I, I would take this any day. Maybe if it was a bit shorter. If it was a bit shorter, it'd probably been top five. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, enjoyed it. I would. I I didn't I didn't not enjoy it like at all. Um, I thought it was way too long for what it was. I don't think um, when I think of like I mean I, I'm I'm more uh, forgiving of uh, last man standing matches than you. I think there have actually been some uh, very good ones. A lot of them a lot of them involving the Big Show weirdly enough. He's he's very good at them. But like what I I don't think any of these like when I think of the best last man standing match Cena versus Umaga. Um, when I think of matches like that, they don't go 36 minutes. You know, um, uh, I, I, I think if you'd have compressed it by half, then I think you still could have, uh, you know, you could have cut out some of the more unnecessary spots. I did like the variety of it. I enjoyed Edge's performance. Um, uh, I thought virtually all of the good things in this match were things that Edge did. I, I guess that's, I guess Orton's fulfilling his role but you know if i don't see another 36 minute randy Orton match uh, ever again it'll be too soon um and i i i i would have had more time to the finish were it not for the fact that we've had you know uh so many johnny gargano how am i so violent faces on nxt that it kind of did uh, make it seem a bit hackneyed that uh, the edge was now doing it yeah no i i agree it was it was very um yeah like we don't need to like you're so violent you, you're literally a wrestler that's your job of course you're violent yeah your job is to fight do you know what i mean like it's, it's speaking speaking of um people being so violent um about a violent mob of 24 7 guns um <laughs> chasing Mojo. now i we, we talked earlier about how we thought it was a really socially irresponsible match to have that ladder match on this I would argue that does this count as a match? Does a twenty-four-seven title count as a match? Yeah, yeah, right. I'd say so. Yeah. So I, I would argue that this is, it's amazing they've done this twice in the space of two days, but this has got to be there with 
like joint number one with the socially irresponsible because there was how many there was like 20 people here chasing him and i'm like why are all these people out here i'm getting panic attacks just watching it thinking about all these people in close contact with each other i'm like jesus like you didn't do an entry battle royal and you just had all these people running it for the 24 7 title and i'm like no um but yeah um but gronk winning the 24 7 title um 20 years of heart um <laughs> Vince Lombardi trophy still gleaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was this was thankfully the last we saw of Gronk. Um so that was uh that was good. Uh so I, I uh five stars uh for this match. I mean I he, I, they didn't even shoot the cross body that well because he jumped off a podium and I was like like this should have been far more spectacular than it was and it was kinda like alright. Well, WWE direction is gash more on this as it develops. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. Big if true. Um, so the um, yeah, like uh, it was, it was fine. Like, well, uh, I don't know if I, I don't know as I go that far. I think it could have been really good, um, but uh, I think they've got it into their heads that longer equals better. Yeah, the the, the gate booking. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually glad that um, the, you know, 178-minute Gargano versus Champa match that uh, dropped a few days later also uh, shot at the Performance Centre in a similar, if more cinematic style, and I use I use the word cinematic advisedly, um, has, I think, finally made people realise that this um, sort of real cringy over-dramatisation of everything is not good and actually does hamper stories that these very talented wrestlers are trying to tell more than they uh, help them. I would also like us to take a victory lap, seeing as we've been banging this drum for about a year and a half about Kenny Omega and no one else has been listening, so you know, I would like to take a victory lap now to say we were right all along and that you yeah. were wrong, so you know. Yeah, so th- thank you to all fans, uh, get to fuck. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, speaking of things that can get to fuck, the, uh, the next match uh, is the Raw Tag Team Championship. Well, we mentioned the 24-7 title. Speaking of faceless goons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, right, okay. Um, Street, Prof- Street Profits, uh, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. So they won the belts off of um, uh, Seth Rollins and and uh, Murphy uh, before he won back his last name in a, in a poker game, uh, or first name even. And um, so th- Street Profits, uh, I like them a lot. I think they're... An NCAA team, Montez Ford is clearly the star, but Dawkins plays his role well as well. Um, I still don't know what the smoke is or why they want it. And I think on the main roster, their gimmick has been watered down to like one catchphrase, which is, you know, is how it goes. But they had some great matches in uh, NXT. They're, they're a good team. I like them. They're opponents. So, uh, Angel Garza, former Impact guy, son of uh, Hector Garza. I think he's great. He's, his gimmick is basically that he's a sexy man. Yeah, a sexy, sexy man. To be fair, he is. Like, yeah, he is an absolute hunk. He's doing the Latino heat gimmick. That's literally... Yeah, he genuinely one, is. One of three stereotypical Mexican gimmicks that they have for people. And it's just where he, he, he's put his hand um, into the tumble and he's pulled out Latino heat and that's his gimmick. And he's like, right, cool. No bar. And speaking of tumble <laughs> I, I actually went a bit digging for this because I, I couldn't understand why why this happened but basically i found inside scoop as to why his partner was who he was 
So it turns out that what happened is that the road agent for this match was Paige, and she decided, you know what, I'm going to rely on my old WXW staple and have a raffle and see which <laughs> fan can fight for the, the tag team titles. So yeah, the Austin Fury raffle winner, um, and Angel Garza in this match. I have one question for you, George. Who was more deserving of a tag team title shot at WrestleMania, Austin Fury or Nicholas? <laughs> Because I'd argue Nicholas. You know what? At least Nicholas won. <laughs> exactly. Nicholas gets results. <laughs> he, he doesn't play by anyone's rules. He's a maverick. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so I think I've said in a previous episode how Humberto Carrillo sums up everything wrong with WWE, even though I'm absolutely nothing against him. Um, Austin Theory is, leaving his stupid name aside, actually, I'm just going to see if that's his actual name, otherwise I'm, I'm going to feel bad. No, actually, you know. So I started with Austin. Hey. Okay, his name is Austin White, so I can kind of see how we uh, how we change that. Um, so um, yeah, Austin Theory. He he coming from Evolve. Um, he, he's probably the only example of the um, supposed um, gushing Evolve to NXT talent pipeline actually like working <laughs> since since it became an, an NXT under twenty threes. But um, do you not? Do you not remember when Babatunde turned up in the Greatest Royal Rumble? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Babatunde is a guy who the WWE signed and then loaned out to Evolve. Like, who watches Evolve? Even like Evolve podcasters don't watch Evolve people, anymore. People didn't watch Evolve when it was good, and it had like Johnny Gargano and, and Ricochet uh, wrestling each other in front of eleven thousand Chinese people. But you you say that you say that people didn't watch Evolve, but clearly Evolve has has had a cultural resonance on the wrestling landscape, seeing as WrestleMania was over two nights to no people in Florida. <laughs> for fuck's sake! But yeah, so um, yeah, as for why Austin Theory um, represents everything wrong, he's like, okay, he's the blue chip prospect. They brought him in. He's having matches with like Roderick Strong and people like that on NXT. He's not winning a lot of them, but he's having good performances. Okay, so who is he? What's his deal? Like, I, I, what, who, what is he about? I don't even need him to have a gimmick because there's a lot of wrestlers who don't have gimmicks, but they have a character. So you can't send them up by saying he's a bin man who wrestles on the side, but you can tell us something about their personality, um, other than he's quite cocky, I guess. But everyone, everyone has that gimmick though. Yeah, exactly. Like Adam that... Cole has that gimmick. He's doing it better. Yeah, that's just a that's just a create a wrestler gimmick of just you know it's like you know how in EWR when you have a guy and he's a heel and you don't know you don't want what what heel he's going to be you don't want him to be an athletic jock sportsman you don't want him to be um, an evil doctor so you just make him cocky that, yeah, that's the gimmick yeah. that you give him that is that is what Austin Fury is here like I I I don't know who he is I, I I've never known who he is. I don't care who he is, and the name, just that name. Like, I mean, I mean, we 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 talked a lot before, and many people did about the NXT name lottery when they were just churning out Michael McGillicutties and Eli Cottonwoods and stuff. Eli Cottonwoods. The, the, the joke, the joke NXT names. This is a proper joke NXT name, and NXT didn't even make the name. Like, it's mad. Um, I remember literally nothing about this match. I don't. I don't really like the Street Profits. They're, yeah, they're, they're already in NXT. And they had some good matches. I don't. I don't really like the gimmick, but I understand it's not really my 
it's not really for me, so to speak. Like it's not my demographic in terms of I I don't really have any resonance in this sort of American sports culture and this sort of you know because I think the joke is they're playboy jock athletes. Yeah, pretty that, pretty much. They like they like having a good time. That's fine. I don't, so I don't uh, particularly. Um... Yes. Um, yeah. I, um, I mean, who cares? Like, who literally cares about this match? Well. Well, seeing seeing like ten years when the Street Profits are an established tag team, do you think they'll possibly remember this WrestleMania match when they've had like seven more down the line? I wonder. I wonder thought so. Like I, exactly. I, I was forgetting it. I was watching it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, but, really, really n- weird. I guess like they had to bulk out the uh, the show with things, but I mean they didn't really because this match like didn't occupy very much time on the card at all. And this show was three and a half hours, so it was longer than the first night. You could easily have uh, have have cut this into far as like I know it was meant to be Gaza and um, Andrade. Yes, I and Andrade got injured. Yeah, but you have tons of like young Hispanic wrestlers. They're all feuding with each other on Raw every single week. Exactly, it's great. It's a, it's a WCW '96 Cruiserweight division every week in Raw. It's fantastic, fantastic. Just stick on the Lucha House Party. Do you know what I mean? Oh, Just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like were those guys. Were those guys doing anything? And to be fair, Lucha House Party like are really good. And and like, you seen you seen them at Elimination Chamber. You give them this match WrestleMania, so they're probably been excellent. They like, they're Lucha House Party. Are good. Just give them it instead instead of this this nonsense. Like it's baffling. Yeah. I, I I I really hope there's a WWE 24 about Austin Theory's WrestleMania, <laughs> right? Road to WrestleMania because I I genuinely do not understand why this happened, and I would be intrigued yeah. to watch a documentary about how this of all things turned out like I is is Austin Feedy the Ali Dyer of wrestling? He's I think he's he's not he's he's clearly got something about him. He's like technically pretty good. It's just I don't think his matches are very interesting and I've not been giving it any reason to become invested in them. You could have literally had any other of the battery hens in the back of the performance centre stuck in cages. You could have at least have let one of them out. Yeah. And just had them with Angel Garza, and nobody would no nobody would have batted an eyelid. But it was literally just when he came out because I didn't know this was happening before, and I was like, "What? Like, hold on, I'm I'm so confused." And they spent the whole match just thinking, "Why is he here?" I couldn't even concentrate in the match because I was just like, "Is this a bet?" Is this like did a, did a bet go wrong? Is somebody bet somebody that they can get him on to WrestleMania? Like, I, I I don't know. Like it's but it gives me hope to know that both me and you, George, at some point could end up at a WrestleMania just by sheer admin error, seeing as Austin <laughs> Fury is living the dream of a lifetime by accident. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's I better get my cardio up uh, to uh, do a uh, six-minute match where I mostly stand on the apron. Yes, exactly. If Nicholas, if Nicholas can, if Nicholas can do it, then uh, then why not us? Um, so, yeah. Uh, coming up next, uh, David. I remember you texting me like possibly during this match, saying that you get like unaccountably irritated by the phrase "fatal five way." It's so stupid, right? I understand it's alliteration, right? But you've already got alliteration for "fatal four way." Think up another name that starts with F. Right, it's not that it, like it, honestly, it, it pisses me off so much. The fatal five way, like I, I don't care what else you called it, just not a fatal five way. Well, well I, they used to have. It's not a fatal three way. Yeah, that is. I mean, that that alliterates the way you pronounce it. 
That's yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like I because they used to have like a stipulation called a championship scramble, and that was a different thing. Uh, where I think it was whoever oh, got the championship that. scramble. Yeah, they, they they were pretty decent actually. Like, but whoever got the last pin uh, won it, um, and there was five people in that. And now you couldn't repurpose that anyway. Like, I don't know if this was was this meant to be a six pack challenge, and then someone had to drop out. I seem to have this memory that it was. I, I don't think it was. I don't I don't know what this. Now I actually really enjoy multi man matches. I especially yeah. like multi man title matches. Like the championship scramble and stuff. I love those sort of things. I think the idea of having all the competitors in one match for the title is something I really really enjoy. And I really enjoy it when these matches sort of when they're worked at for a fast pace. They do lots of you know three man four man spots. They just do lots of mad stuff. It's you no know, because they're usually quite fast and you know just to try and get people on the card and all that i do i do really quite enjoy these matches i do enjoy elimination matches actually as well i've, I've always been a big fan of yeah elimination I, I, I like elimination matches a lot like these sort of like four-way and elimination matches have a bit of gravitas to them when they're for a title so it's a title match and yeah. there's like five contenders and you're gonna have an elimination and the winner becomes the champion at the end and you kind of just with the match graphics and stuff like that and the idea of them all just, just being there i i really i really enjoy it. i would much rather watch something like that over say Bailey versus Lacey Evans in a normal match. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to chuck people onto the cards, do stuff like this. Like, this, this is good stuff. Yeah, I, I, so one of the best uh, matches Progress ever did was when uh, Jimmy Havoc was champion, and it was like him, Osprey, Skull, Robbo, uh, Dave Mastiff, and Noam Dar in a six way elimination match. And they managed to tell a lot of stories with like how the eliminations go. And, uh, and they kind of did this in, in this match in that, like, Tamina's the big lasso where everyone has to like work together to eliminate her, and then you move it to Bailey and Sasha working together against uh, um, Babyface and Pebble Lacey Evans. Um, they do this every year with Tamina. It's really they, weird. They do every because year, she never really Tamina wins any matches. Out. Yeah, yeah. Either Tamina or Nia Jax. They just wheel them out, put them in a big schmoz like multi man. Everyone teams up in them. They do the Rambo pin. And they get knocked out, and I'm like, you know what? That's I, I, I quite enjoy it. Like I just, it's it's always a comforting thing to know that Tamina's a big lass whose dad definitely did not murder anyone. <laughs> but that's been proven in a court of law anyway. Um, and I, I I quite enjoy it when like you just have this big lass who just wheels and everyone, and then they all have to put the Captain Planet rings together come together as a force and just like you know beat her and do the ramble pin i really enjoy that sort of match structure so yeah an elimination on that was good fun um lacey evans i I literally could not give the slightest fuck about lacey evans it's an american military wife gimmick yeah at least at least she hasn't formed a fucking choir (laughs) very true i mean like Along with like wrestling dentist, in fact, I'd I'd prefer a wrestling dentist to, to that or a wrestling bin man. You know, at least like I I don't know I I I understand that Americans like it because ooh she was in the Marines or whatever. I I don't know, but that you never get that gimmick in in Britain, do you? You never get lads from the TA. <laughs> Doing like the the you know the the best of British comic because it just looks like they're a member of the EDL. I, I think you might get that it. on the camps, in fairness, but uh, yeah, certainly not at any of the shows I go to. Is it, I, I wonder if the camps do a wrestling action man gimmick. That well, I, I've I would, got no, I would go got, got no genitals. 
<laughs> yeah, if you've got no gen, exactly. I would, I would get on board if you just ripped off Action Man. You know how like in Luchas they have like Spider Man and the Power Rangers and stuff like that. I think if you'd done that with Action Man and you just got a man with no genitals and just who looked at Action Man and had him wrestle and just called him Action Man, I think that would be fun. And, and then you but... tried to give him the low blow, but he no sold it because he's got no bollocks. Exactly. Yes. Great gimmick. Exactly. I think. I think we've just figured out your camp gimmick, um, George. There you go. George Thompson, the greatest hero of them all. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, the thing is about Lacey Evans is uh, she's not especially good. Uh, no. She, she cuts some absolutely honking promos. Um, one of my friends had the misfortune of um, uh, going to a SmackDown taping in the UK where uh, last year where Lacey Evans was featured very prominently. And he was just like, what is a sassy Southern Belle? Like it sounds like something off the KFC menu, doesn't it? Yeah, it 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 sounds like yeah, I like it's you know it's 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 pretty bad. It was bad enough when she was a heel, uh, and but now it's like it's like when uh, Jack Swagger turned face, and it was like oh we're doing Make America Great Again as a as a as a babyface gimmick now, are we? Oh, that's good because I get like I mean maybe this. Maybe this is unfair, but I get very strong trad wife gimmicks uh, uh, vibes from her. Yes, yeah, I'm no, I, I totally understand. Yes, and I think that's what they're going for. And as as someone of uh, you know what I like to think are progressive political inclinations, uh, I'm just not going to get behind such a gimmick as a face. Like it, it, like even even before you bring in the the whole like. Uh, patriotic military jingoism uh, aspect from a country I'm not even fucking from. I, I wouldn't get I wouldn't get hard for my own army, like let alone the American one. Oh, it's just as well that Lacey Evans has never been in a tag team because surely they'd lose every match when she nails her own partner in friendly fire. <laughs> Jesus. A dumb tish. Uh, leave that in <laughs> for the discourse. Um, uh, oh, absolutely, leaving that in. Yeah. So as far as the <laughs> match goes, this is why like. Um, Hill Bailey, I think, is uh, no. I find it quite underwhelming. Um, like she should absolutely just be Sable. That waiting was right. She should just have just turned into Sable, and like, that would have <laughs> been really funny. The, the, I mean, the best part was when she uh, um, basically did the the Ares death scene with the Bailey buddies and just like ran yes. them through. That was good. The rest of it has just been like her and Sasha Banks are friends. Now they're not. Now they are. Now they're not. Now they are. Which was. Yeah, some of it was, uh, you know, feeding into this match. But then Bailey and Sasha... Is this like the third? Is this the third WrestleMania in a row where we've been like, is this the year that Bailey and Sasha turn on each other? Uh, yeah, it was. There's certainly been more than one. Um, I and again in this match, like, are they going to do something with Nomi or not? Because I remember on social media, um, there was quite a lot of um, not not just black wrestling fans, just black Twitter users in general who were going absolutely mad for Naomi on the Royal Rumble, and they were, like, seeing gifts of her, like, who, who is this? She's amazing. Where can I watch more of her? And it's, I mean, okay, like, I, I know, guys, it's a bit of a stretch to think that, like, um, Vince McMahon would be aware of what black wrestling fans want because he's not even particularly aware of what, what white res- wrestling fans want at the moment. Um, but George Martin Luther King is his hero. Martin Luther King, I actually kind of believe that in a weird, twisted way. Like, I, I bet, like, in Vince's head, he really does admire Martin Luther King for reasons he can't even begin to quantify. 
It's like, did you did you see that um, tweet on uh, that fake FBI tweet on Martin Luther King Day, where someone had just changed his uh, picture to the FBI logo and said, "Just because we killed MLK doesn't mean we can't miss him." <laughs> um, yeah, it, was ba- it was basically that. So yeah, I I I don't know what to do with Naomi. I think if, if someone gets a bit of buzz out in sort of amongst non wrestling fans, hey, you can get people to watch your show by promoting that person. And then she's like second eliminated after Tamina, who you know never wins. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, it's very bizarre. Um, I, I quite I quite liked the elimination of Sasha. That was that was quite all right. Yeah, yeah, that was that was good. But I I didn't think this match was bad at all. I like I like elimination matches. Um, I was petrified they were going to put the. Uh, uh, the belt on uh, Lacey Atlas Shrugged Evans uh, as a babyface. So uh, I'm very glad that that didn't happen. So that was the uh, five-way uh, elimination match. Um, a perfectly serviceable action. Uh, right person went over, I think. Much as I'm not really into the Bailey gimmick. But actually, no, right, right person didn't go over. Stick it on Naomi. That's li- I've literally just contradicted like, the last five minutes of what I said. But um, if Naomi couldn't win, I thought, you might as well keep the title on the champion in a way that they tend to do when there's a... Uh, elimination match or a fatal four-way, five-way, whatever. Uh, next match coming up. So we had the Boneyard match on night one. Um, mm-hmm. And we had a uh, Firefly Funhouse match. So um, as for what a Firefly Funhouse match is, um, it wasn't actually explained um, before the match. Um, I don't know how well it was explained during the match. Um, but uh, I will say I like John Cena a lot. Um, I think... People have actually realised that John Cena is fantastic now, for the most part. Was it was it Dylan Hales has finally been vindicated after that poster? He said that John Cena was better than all four pillars. <laughs> uh, was Dylan Hales that did that? I'm sure it was. Um, or was it maybe Papa Hales? But I'm sure it was one of them. They said that John Cena was better than all four pillars. And to be honest, he's being vindicated by the moment. Yeah, like um, the uh, I, I I like I like John Cena. There was a lag of like a good three to four years when like people still thought Cena couldn't wrestle and he actually really, really could. Um, and I think people people finally realised he was good when he started doing the US um, title open defences, having like great matches every week on Raw with a like very diverse array of opponents. Yeah, he, I think people realised, OK, Cena's not in the main event. We can make our peace with Big Match John now. If he has the old title run here and there, eh, it doesn't matter. He's clearly being cycled down the card for his movie career. And just to see him back uh, was nice. Uh, the Fiend, uh, Bray Wyatt. So, um, I, I got I, actually same 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 uh, friend of mine who went to the Lacey Evans uh, uh, Dominator SmackDown taping. Um, I I just said to him, right, you're going with some friends. Ask them about the Viking experience. Like, like you don't, you don't have to know what it is. Just ask them about the Viking experience. And he said, I've asked them about the Viking experience. Between that and the Firefly Fun now, you really have to start worrying about Vince, don't you? So clearly there had been a uh, Bray Wyatt promo. Now, the thing is, I actually don't mind the Firefly Funhouse. Like, at least they're doing something that's uh, a bit new. Again, the problem is with the matches, um, where you've kind of put made The Fiend so powerful. Like, with that fucking ridiculous Hell in a Cell match against Seth Rollins, where he just no-sold absolutely everything, but, like, not in a particularly interesting, intense way, like uh, like Goldberg would, for instance, which I've ragged on him uh, before. Um, and so the matches haven't been especially satisfying. Um, I, 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 look, I appreciate that they, they've gone for something different, like, even when it doesn't work, they're like, okay, you've got this creepy guy who is a 
uh, children's TV presenter with, so he's like a evil Mr. Rogers. You know, that's, um, that's basically the vibe they're going for, really. Um, so I, I don't hate it. I think the custom title belt was really fucking stupid. I like the feud with Daniel Bryan, but Daniel Bryan uh, can, you know, get great matches and great angles out of anyone. Like, he, he's Daniel Bryan. Um, I I was surprised the extent to which you dislike this match, David. Right. Do you have like half an hour? Because genuinely, I've I've spent. I mean, we've 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 done enough audio uh, up until this point. Why the um, fuck not? I've I've spent probably the last week trying to contextualise why I hate this match so much. Right. I have spent my entire wrestling life. Right. I um I mentioned earlier I like to defend the indefendable, so to speak. Yeah. Um. So you know I am a giant Gonzalez fan. I, I enjoy Undertaker yes. versus Giant Gonzalez. I really enjoyed that match. I think it's it, it has its place. It you know it has a purpose. Everyone hates it. Oh, it's the worst WrestleMania match of all time. No, no. Everyone who has slated me for saying Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez is is, is okay, is good, um, and then turns around and says that this is amazing, the best thing it's ever been at WrestleMania. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. Um, I right. I, 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 as we mentioned as well before, um, I'm really sorry. I'm honestly going to go on with this for about 15, 20 minutes because it's, it just, I, I, I'll just start, we'll start off with a positive, right? I'll start off with a positive. This is a proper commode rant coming, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll start off with a positive. Yes, they did something new. They did something out the box and it was bold. It's very bold for them to do this. I'm not going to dispute that. And you know, no, golf clap for WWE for doing something like this and being bold enough to go, we'll do something weird like this, right? I, as as we plug at the end, I am very, I am very into my experimental art. I am. I spent most of my adult life, say, uh, having people tell me that something isn't art when it is. I have been to. I have, um, you know participated in lots of experimental art that lots of people would look at and go that's nonsense that's not art art is subjective art is what you make of it you know it is not it's not up to me or up to you or up to any one arbitrary person there's not an art board that describes whether this is art or not it is art if they believe it's if it's their creation that that is what it is but that, that we have to we have to look at it in the same critical evaluations as with this match where this match i'm going to look They've done something. It's a very valid form of art, right? Absolutely. I, re- I really, honestly, just did not like this at all. It, it was so bizarre because, yes, it is different. I mean, again, like I, I literally plug noise music at the end of every show. Like I'm not, I'm not one of these prudes that are like, you know, this isn't. No re- real wrestling, or you know, I I am open to experimentation and the avant-garde and things. And I, and I, I mean, I had Taka versus Tai Chi as my match of the year from Best of the Super Juniors because it was such an avant-garde experimental match. It broke down the boundaries of what wrestling could be, played about with it, and got something out of it. And I even mentioned at the start, we know with the Daniel Bryan Sami Zayn match that I I was really up for a weird avant-garde experimental match and stuff like this with with that. The problem for me is that the Fiend gimmick, apart from it being an E-Fed character, right, it is, it is somebody's E-Fed, it's Bray Wyatt's E-Fed character, right, 
and it's just been allowed to run loose and it's done all these things. Now, the Hell in a Cell match you mentioned, obviously, you uh, that everyone hated. I actually, I thought it was all right. I thought it was, it was not bad because I thought this is quite interesting in the sense that this thing is so powerful that just everything destroy, everything that would destroy other people just not doing anything to him. I quite enjoyed the, the sort of monster element of it. I thought, you know what, that that's... That that is quite an interesting way of going round it, and I thought, you know what, that's that's perfectly fine. I am loathed to say that something is not a match because some of the best things, you know, in wrestling are not necessarily matches, you know, or you know, in the conventional sense. I mean, for example, I remember my match the year list last year, I believe, or the year before. I would have been a year before. I had Goldust versus r Truth. In a match which is literally about 11 seconds long, and it's actually just a segment where Goldust is filming it and uh, for like a movie that he's doing, and it's part of this weird movie gimmick that he was doing at the time. And I was like, you know, it is a match, it's barely, barely, it's, you know, there is a match involved, and it's about all the segment around it and stuff like that, about how, you know, what how it gets over, what it's trying to convey, and stuff like that. I think that's what I really did not like about this match in the sense that. I watched this with my wife. My wife does not watch wrestling bar. I mean, we went to some pseudo shows in Japan. She knows who most of the wrestlers are on face value. I think if I, if you gave her a list of, say, 40 wrestlers in WWE, she'd probably get, like, a a, a, a first. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you if you done it, she'd be able to say, that's that, that's that, that's that, that. She wouldn't be able to tell you anything about them, but she, you know, she would know who they are. And watching this match with somebody who doesn't really know any of the context was just incredibly embarrassing because it was just like, I felt like, you know how when you go to like, well, not not anymore, but you know how when you used to go out and go to like a public place and you'd meet a wrestling fan and you're like, oh God, right, it's a wrestling fan. And like, you would start talking to them and you'd be like, oh yeah, I quite like wrestling. And then they would start talking about, like, you would say, oh, I really, they're like, oh, I really like CM Punk, like, I really love the Pipe Bomb, um, and they would just start talking about the Pipe Bomb promo. You, you know, I've had this before, you, you get this with, like, sort of more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say plastic fans, but they don't listen to this show anyway. Um, but, you know what I mean, like, people who aren't, like, well-rounded individuals yeah, yeah, who are wrestling fans who like will that. talk to you about wrestling but just talk at you about wrestling and they just tell you all the stuff that they know about wrestling and they they tell you and you can't really have a conversation about it anyway i felt like that i felt like one of those people watching this match trying to explain this to linda about how oh he's coming out to you know wcw nitro and he, you know he's an nwo shirt because hogan turned in you're like and there was so much context to put in to try and explain to them that i was like I sound like such a dick when I'm trying to explain all this. And I was like, I felt, I was like, God, I can't even be bored with this. And it was just so much stuff being thrown at you. And like, if you don't watch wrestling, you don't know any of it. It makes no sense. And I think a, I think a key part of this match was for fans, for fans mm. of wrestling. But it's for a very specific set of fans in the sense that it's, it's, a, very, it's a very face level sort of fandom in the sense that 
all the stuff in this, you know, there were like, oh, there's so many callbacks. Yes, there was so many callbacks, but they're literally throwing it in your face. Here's the time John Cena debuted against Kurt Angle. Here's the time, you know, Hulk Hogan turned on it. And you just throw it in your face, and it's just always there, 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 there. There's so many callbacks. And we've talked before about how callbacks don't necessarily make a great match. I mean, like the Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa is a perfect example of that about the whole. I'm sorry, I love you, you know, callbacks to like Michaels and Flair and holding the hands and all the, the sort of stuff weaved in and out from their from, uh, from like their matches in the past and all that. And people are kind of reacting against this and going, yeah, yeah, there's lots of callbacks now, but it doesn't really add up to a great story. I'm sorry, I, um, this, this was so, it was literally just a bunch of callbacks thrown at you in a sort of experimental manner, which I feel was not congruous to what I feel that the character should have been, because this was essentially a comedy segment. This was not... Yeah, essentially, yeah. Like, it it really doesn't fit with the very grimdark uh, aesthetic that The Fiend has uh, has shown. Insofar as the character is funny, it's funny in a very sinister way. Yeah, I mean, like, I was I was kind of on board with The Fiend. Since I really didn't like it, but I, I could kind of understand it, and I was like, right, they're going in this direction, that's fair enough. See you at the moment he pointed to the WrestleMania sign. I was like, right, well, you've utterly killed him dead now because he's not a fiend, he's not a monster, he's literally just one of these other nerds that just dreams yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, the, the, they can't write characters that exist outside of the logic of their show. Exactly. That's one of the big faults of their storytelling, I think. And one of the other issues as well is that with something like this, I'm sorry, I'm honestly going on for ages about this, but I have a lot of things to unpack about it and feel free to jump in at any point. I, I feel with this, like, they can't... This... this still has to function within the body of a wrestling show. This match was literally what... The, I mean, let's start with the really perfunctory stuff. There was no bell, right? There, there, mm. there, there was just, it was just segments uh, after segment, and like there, there wasn't really any bell, there wasn't a referee, there wasn't any sort of the normal structures that we get in a match. Even like stuff like the final deletion, for example, had, you know, sort of the illusion of a wrestling match in it. You know, it was yeah. It had a ring. Yeah, it had a ring and stuff like that. And you know, the the Boneyard match, like, was the Boneyard match didn't have that stuff either. But the Boneyard match also had a tacit implication where, when you saw, you knew exactly how this ended. You knew exactly what was what was going to happen. You know, they were going to buddy each other or whatever, or the coffin. You know, that was going to be the sort of end result of this, whereby you you could kind of go, well, how's he going to get him into the grave or whatever. With this, it was literally just like six or seven strung together things that didn't really serve as a match. It told a story really ham-fistedly for me. I, I thought it was the, the it was quite, clearly this is like Bray Wyatt very much as a Kenny Omega figure for me, in the sense that clearly he has a lot of creative direction over what he wants to do, and he puts a lot of effort into what what he wants to do if too much effort in the sense that he's always micromanaging yeah. these sort of things and he's always do, like doing this to, to his whim and micromanaging it to the point where he's telling the story he wants to tell that it's really going to reward people who really watch and you know like, like only super fans will get these things like um, and um, I was like it really, it really turned me off this idea that he's clearly being at a certain subsection who are who are absolutely going to lap all this up? It's going to completely alienate anybody who isn't really like the people who are watching, for example, WrestleMania. They're one a year. We go back to them, right? I think they're as valuable yeah. an audience as say us or you know the, the neckbeards 
Um, like they are as valuable an audience just because they watch all the time doesn't mean they're not fans. They're clearly wanting to engage with the product, and something like this would absolutely turn you off if you if you have a limited engagement with the product. And I feel that it's sort of sh- shirking that. I feel that the reason that people are so for it and absolutely love it is because they feel that it's speaking to them. It does. It does that make sense? Where like they they are um that th- this match spoke to them because they are a fan. They get these references. It, it feels that it was a personal match to them, so to speak. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, it does. Like I think um the uh, yeah, it's um I I think my main uh, criticism of the match in, in is that I think you're right. The story it told was not especially coherent. I think they could have improved matters on that score by actually making it a retrospective of moment in John Cena's career, which was what I thought was going to happen when they started off with referencing his debut match against Kurt Angle. Um, but then it went to like this weird NWO Cena and uh, other other strange shit uh, and stuff like that. I think like John Cena's had a, a, a long and varied career enough that you could have just made it uh, Bray Wyatt's uh, specifically going through. Um, think of it like um, think of it like a Christmas Carol, you know, something like that. Yes. No. But if it had functioned in that way, okay, it wouldn't have been a match per se. Um, I, I enjoy this a lot more than you did, but like I, I did pop for the references. Uh, I think I think the main difference between this and the Boneyard match was that the Boneyard match, as you say, did provide a unified whole. Um, and um, whereas, and you you could even buy like things like the Undertaker symbol uh, materializing all the fire and stuff as being within the context of the Undertaker's spooky wrestling powers. But I think mm-hmm. yeah, the movie went went a bit too mm-hmm. much on the surrealism with the. Um, Firefly Funhouse match. I think if it had just been a sex segment on the network. Oh yeah, if it had been a segment on the network, I think I would have enjoyed it. A, a, yeah, just a just a more. just a fun thing that like tripped down memory lane, various wrestling things. You know, as as a WrestleMania thing, I I did I did I did pop a lot for the Vince Puffet. See that this was it like that. This was the sort of thing that I think this is the thing that annoyed me about it is that like the Vince Puffet and stuff. Like that. I don't. I really don't like the Firefly Funhouse as a, as a gore at first. I I think it's. It just doesn't work. I just don't enjoy it. If you know what I mean, like I don't enjoy the puppets or anything. I, I just think it's it, it, it. First, it was a bit terminetic, but it wasn't terminetic. And then they, they kind of try to keep going on with this. And now, like seeing like Goldberg interact with the fucking Firefly Funhouse was just utterly very weird. It's just, it just yeah, it was just like that. That's not really something that should be happening. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a massive Goldberg fan. I think you should just win the title all the time. I. Like with this, and I think as well, the references that they gave are so rote. Yeah, we all remember Saturday Night Main Event, you know, with the, you know, yeah, all the people doing the mad promos and like lifting their art, like doing lifting weights and stuff like. Yeah, we we all remember that. Clearly, people are going to pop for that because that's like what. And same with like the NWO. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the biggest WCW mark going like NWO mark. Like, I I love all that, but. It, it clearly, like they were just, it, it felt like a box ticking exercise and kind of just putting all this stuff in that, like, yeah, yeah, people, of course, people are going to pop for the NWO and for Saturday Night Main Event. Of course, they are, like, it's the most rote things. Like, these are the sort of go to things that you go to when you want people to pop for this nonsense, like, for, for stuff. Like, you get, like, the the Legends Nights and all that. Like, of, co- of course, they, they were going to um, pop for stuff like that. I don't think it's as, it's as intelligent as, as people think. 
in the sense no, that... No, I don't, I don't think it is. Because people like, are like, talking um, about it as if it's like, you know, fucking stock housing or something. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> it's, like it's not really, like, I, I don't know. I think that the, the, the thing that really came to me, and mentioning Martin Kermode again, is um, have you ever heard his review of um, film socialisme? Oh, the uh, Jean-Luc Godard one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and he's like, he just talks about how, how dull it is. And he's like, um, I would call it an art installation, but it's an insult to art installations. And he says, um, and he's like, the, the critics, and he's like, the critics are all like, oh, it's, it's, yes, it's boring and incomprehensible, but it's so boring and incomprehensible, it must actually be very profound. And I feel that that was very much like this, where like, yeah, it's all over the shop, but it's so all over the shop that it must actually be very profound. And I'm like, it's, it's not, it's just all over the shop. And there was a very good critique of um, uh, Ready Player One. I can't remember who wrote it, but the point the article was making was essentially that people are being made to feel like they are you know, very smart and astute for recognising things. You know, they're getting the cheap pops with uh, you know, things like, oh, do, you, do you remember Pac-Man, do you? Like, uh, you know, things, things like that. Do you remember Chucky? Um, remember Star Wars? Uh, it's very much the the Peter K school of uh, of sci fi, you know. It's um, and so yeah, mm-hmm. I I think it's just like you, look, you're not, and I, I I would say as someone who is into um, uh, trivia quizzes, like lo- loads of stuff like that, um, I don't consider myself an intelligent person because I'm good at knowledge. All that means is I've got a good memory. You know what makes mm-hmm. you an intelligent person is. Okay, it's great that you can remember stuff, but what can you do with it? Can you perform any analytical work with it? Are you are you perceptive as to as to their wider meanings and the the, the layers thereof? You know, like it's not enough to just recognise something and go, I remember that, and that's the same as it being good. Yes, absolutely, and I feel like, I feel that was one of the issues here, and this basically was giving you the rosette, the the prize rosette for remembering things. Like, I mean, the example is. Saturday night main event, the segment of Saturday night's main event. My wife was sitting there going, I have no fucking clue what's going on here. I don't get any of these references. And I was like, yeah, it's like, and I'm like, I was trying, like, try to explain this to her and all that. And I'm like, I know what this is, but again, like, it's it's just it's losing it's losing sight of it's 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 an Easter egg. It's not a match. It's an Easter egg, which is very apt because yeah, Easter Monday. Yeah. But this is literally, it's just a, a collection of Easter eggs together, and it's. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoyed it on a, a surface level, but it was certainly far inferior to the Boneyard match. Um, I think it's uh, pretty safe to say. Um, so yeah, uh, moving on to the main event, which um, I guess you you've probably got more to say about this than uh, than well, I. I um, I would like to do some play by play for this if if you don't mind. <laughs> It's probably not going to take very long, is it? Well, no, I, I've written a play-by-play for this match, and I thought that you you would quite enjoy okay. it. So um, I'll I'll put on I'll, I'll put on some music in the background for this. Um, <laughs> so the, the bell rings, and immediately David Gualtieri of San Marino runs into the ring at the bell and clocks Lesnar for super kick after eight seconds. Lesnar comes back <laughs> with a German to take him out, multiple Germans to McIntyre, and an F5, but he kicks it at one. McIntyre then hulks up. And the ghost of Margaret Thatcher jumps onto the apron to distract him. But 12,000 striking miners come out to pull her off the apron and beat her down in a rousing ovation as Lesnar hits another F5 with Drew kicking out of two. Lesnar hits another and Drew kicks out again. Then suddenly Peter Shelton runs in to face off against McIntyre. 
Paul Heyman shouts at Shelton and brings out a chair from under the apron. He throws the chair into the ring for Shelton to catch, and Diego Armando Maradona comes in in the nick of time to punch the chair out of Shelton's grasp, straight into the hands of Drew McIntyre, who waffles Shelton in the head of the chair, and then nails Lesnar. McIntyre fought back by sending Lesnar into the ropes, and he had a Claymore kick again. McIntyre had a third Claymore kick on Lesnar. McIntyre had a fourth Claymore kick while Lesnar was on his knees and then covered Lesnar for the pinfall win at four, 4 minutes and 55 seconds to become the WWE Champion. They then panned to George Square where both I and the rest of Scotland are all sitting breaking the COVID-19 lockdown, steaming out of our minds celebrating, but, the, but George, was, there's, there's a tinge of sadness to this because I, I regret to inform you that um, the union has been compromised to a permanent end, uh, and we are now an independent nation. George, we won the World Cup, mate. We won. We won. We won a major tournament. <laughs> it, was, it was great. I, I honestly, that, I mean, was, I, I mean that, I, that that's more insane than the actual match. <laughs> yeah, it, like I. I, I know it was just a Goldberg Braun Strowman match, right? I know that is a literal yeah, carbon coffee. Yeah, it literally was, literally. <laughs> it was literally a carbon coffee, right? And uh, I was watching this, and I'm not joking, right? This this match was like four minutes, right? And I was like, right, it's an empty arena. The moments kind of ruined. Like it's not, it's not going to be. It's not what we all wanted. It's, but my heart was still racing, genuinely watching this because i was like because I, well, we'd went into this right me and uh, my other friends i met my friend mark uh, uh mark wallace who we were good uh, good a uh, good supporter of the podcast and um, he uh, that i go to fistle games now if he has been a drew mcintyre fan since literally the the day he first ever seen him in icw like um like years and years and years ago and he loved him and uh, the original run and all that and he followed him through the whole thing and that and I am um, and in the weekend we started doubting it where I was like no I'm, I'm not the biggest Drew McIntyre fan in the world I think he's a white guy in trunks that that's who he is he has a white guy in trunks offense he's got some good stuff but he's you know he's uh he's um he's you know he's 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 a bit um a bit bland at times um although do you know the story about him and UFOs no no right okay um we sideline and into this a bit uh, basically when Drew McIntyre was 10 he was obsessed with like the 14 times and uh <laughs> excellent is it the x the x the x is it the x file x factor something X-Files. like that no not the, not, the, not the tv show it was a magazine that was named after the x files and it was also like a 14 time sort of thing and he became obsessed with like ufo conspiracy theories when he was 10 and he sent a letter to the fbi <laughs> um saying i would i would like to um uh, get access i would like you to send me some files under um about ufos basically saying like i i believe these are out there i would like to see some evidence that they're not or whatever can you send me some files and the fbi replied and sent him a big box of files on ufos so he's got a big huge box of like UFO, because like um, evidence and stuff like that, that the the FBI legitimately gave him when he was ten. Amazing, um, that's so good. But he, um, but yeah, like I, 
but obviously like we, we we don't do well in sports we win elephant polo that's about the only one that we win like in curling that, that's our, our best sports we're quite shit at football but um i when the, the days running up to it me and my friend were like i don't know if he's winning which was the, the first crack because the whole time we we're like right he's definitely winning so, i mean you've seen me for weeks where i was like yeah. mcintyre's winning this mcintyre's winning and then, like the first cracks of doubt came a couple of days ago, and Mark was like, "I don't know if he's winning it." And I was like, "There was no that. There was that. Um, there was that unwritten, unspoken truth where you, we both knew we were like, he could easily lose this, but we didn't want to say it. And he said it, and we spent the last couple of days before it, just like, what if he loses it though? What, what if he like just absolutely? Because we'd be utterly crestfallen. Because if you're not from Scotland, it's it's probably." quite difficult to understand if you don't have it'd be like remember when ezekiel jackson won the won the ic title i bet you people in guyana were like that as well where they yeah, were just yeah, like yeah. you know it's just it's just something from your country representing your culture is, is succeeding on a stage regardless of you know how big it is or whatever. like just seeing them succeed it's it, it, it's a good thing to see so when we had this doubt going into this match and i was like he might not win this and um, honestly, my heart was racing for the whole match because I was just like, if he if he loses this, I'm going to be utterly distraught. I'm going to be utterly crestfallen that we've Scotland did it again. I think because we have such a, a a rich cultural heritage of absolutely bottling and ludicrous situations like losing in goal difference to Peru and getting knocked at the World Cup and stuff like that, we have we have this sort of built in beaten down mentality of yeah, we're quite shite. We're never going to win anything. So honestly, just seeing this was just a wonderful moment for me because it's just we we actually won a thing, and it, and I, I genuinely was like che- cheered out loud when he won, uh, even though it was like quarter to four in the morning because I was just like, you know what, it's, it's our moment. I wish I could have went out to the pub. Not gonna lie, um, but it, it is uh, you know it doesn't matter the circumstances. We got our moment. I honestly couldn't give a shit if he loses it in a month. I don't care. Just you had that moment, so to speak, where genuinely it was just it was just wonderful. Um, yeah, the match was carbon copy of Goldberg, which I liked in the first place, and just the emotional resonance for me as a person, uh, seeing someone from Scotland win it was just you know utterly wonderful. It was great. Yeah, like I I I enjoyed it for that. Like Drew McIntyre winning the WWE Championship is both simultaneously the most surprising and inevitable thing that has happened in wrestling in the last few years. Because, like, you look at him, like, I mean, for all that the guy did, I did a lot of good stuff in ICW. Like, um, like just a man completely out of place, clearly built for the major leagues. Yes. Um, yeah, and that was why his match with Grado was so good. Grado's the guy who lives down the road. He eats pizza crunches uh, on a on a weekly basis. Uh, Drew is the is the golden god. Uh, he should be in the major leagues and he isn't. Um, you know, so um, I yeah, like like you know, I'm not I'm not the hugest uh, fan of him. I think he works much better on the indies where he is an actual fucking giant and he did some really good stuff, not just in ICW, but um, he's having some great stuff in PWG, uh, even Evolve, um, for what that's worth. Um, since he came back, I was like, this is kind of a weird uh, re-signing. I'm really glad for him. Because, like, I think even if you look at the um, the documentary that they made, like the little mini one, um, it's clear that he felt like he'd fucked up the first time and he wanted a second chance. 
and fair play to him, he's absolutely, um, absolutely taken it. Um, you know, the not not being Scottish, I didn't have the same uh, uh, emotional connection to this match, other than relief that they'd actually not put Brock Lesnar over because they have a big fan of doing that at WrestleMania when it's not warranted. See also WrestleMania 34 against Reigns. Um, so I'm glad they didn't do that. The match was uh, pretty nothingy, really. Uh, the one count spots are. Um, you, you know, watch uh, watch the, the odd sort of, I don't know, Mako Satomura, Kira Hokuto's, something like that. Uh, one counterpart are good uh, if they have come after they have, the wrestler has absorbed a lot of punishment. And then it really appeals as the, like, the big fuck you exclamation point, as opposed to he's kicked out at one, two minutes into a match. OK, yeah, he's probably got a lot of uh, energy left. I don't think that worked especially well, but... Uh, asking Brock Lesnar to work over five minutes um, when there's a crowd is a big ask uh, sometimes. So he w- he was obviously never going to bring his working boots for this. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad Drew won the belt. Um, I think they built him up pretty well. Like they had him win the Rumble, uh, knocking Lesnar out of that after Lesnar had destroyed the entire roster. I thought that made him look pretty good. Uh, I could have done without it being as a direct result of a low blow onto Lesnar by someone else. You know, I guess that created the intrigue of can uh, Drew do it when it's just them mano a mano. Uh, he did. Um, I'm glad this went on last uh, rather than Firefly Funhouse, which I thought might happen because that's where the Boneyard match was positioned on the uh, on the first show. Um, I honestly don't have very much to say about this match uh, besides uh, right results, and I'm happy for happy for Drew, um, and I wish it had been in front of a big crowd, but uh, who knows? Maybe this is actually an inverse of the other thing. Like, if there had been a crowd, would Brock have won? Yeah, well, that that's it. Yeah, you you, you kind of have to wonder that. But the thing that I'm like, I I actually should probably make an apology um, at this moment purely because I mentioned before my, my friend Mark was a big huge Drew McIntyre fan and we've been talking about this and all that. And then we we have a thing which I, I imagine many people would do where usually when Fissel win or something like that, or as a last minute goal, we'll just get a text that just reads the word in capitals pints, right? It doesn't matter. Like, so, for example, I got one. I was in work uh, the day we we avoided relegation last year, and I just got one at quarter to five, just with the word pints, because uh, we'd been saved. And uh, like, I'd just finished work, and I was at right sign So, I went, I so customary as is a tradition. I text him the like the second it hit free, and the bell rang. I text him saying pints, right? Now, I I buy. WrestleMania on pay-per-view every year because I, I have a I have a cable company I can buy it on pay-per-view because I don't trust the network. Um, my network's patch as is, so I get a crystal clear feed every single time. Mark, however, was on the WWE network at a lag of ninety seconds. Oh no! <laughs> so, oh no! And he just messaged me the day after going, "Yeah, I've I've waited over a decade for this moment." And you text me 90 seconds before the finish and spoilt the finish for me. <laughs> I was oh no. So I want to humbly apologise to Mark. Um, I I felt so bad, but he's going to get out of it because um, as I posted on um, Twitter afterwards, I got out the original cans of Iron Brew because that's, you know, if ever a time <laughs> was needed for an original can of Iron Brew, um, he... Uh, well, you know, it's then when you've won the WWE Championship. I felt like, do you do you remember? Do you know how Jay Hunter got his break, like became pop, like known in wrestling, like media circles? 
Do you know the story? Um, no, no. So basically, Jay, the first time ever Jay Hunter ever appeared on a podcast was on The Law, the night that Sheamus won the WWE title at TLC. <laughs> he was steaming, and he phoned in to because he's like, I don't care if it's four half four in the morning and I'm like ludicrously drunk. Sheamus has won the fucking WWE title, and I'm, I'm I, I can't believe it. And he was so happy, and I, I felt that that. I really, I really understood Jay, like why, why he did it in that moment, because it was just, yeah, it was just, yeah, a great moment. But yeah, but that was me with the can- cancer of original Iron Brew, trying to get through to the law and finding out the phone number's been disconnected. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I'll, Mark, I'll make up to you. I'll give you a can of original Iron Brew, because um, I've still got some left. But yeah, I felt so bad when I spoiled the result. <laughs> As 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 well you should, um, but uh, I'm not I'm not going to absolve, absolve you. Only God can do that. And um, uh, un, unfortunately, she's uh, currently heading up the uh, Sendai uh, training at the moment. But uh, see if I can get in contact. So that was uh, WrestleMania 36 Night Two. Um, thank you for bearing with us as we uh, sort of got things off our chest. But um, you know, WWE is. Uh, it, it's WWE is what it is at the best of times. This was deeply fucking weird as they tried to present, uh, pretend that the show is going on and must go on at a time of deep. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like, like I said before, I've been enjoying these uh, little tiny empty arena shows that Gatto Move and the like have been doing um, because they are at least acknowledging the reasons why they're doing it. Uh, whereas WWE is just carrying on regardless pretending that nothing is happening uh like uh, saddam's uh, information minister as the u.s tanks are literally breaking down the walls of baghdad like that is um that is essentially the vibe of this it made for a deeply weird and uh, at times very uncomfortable watch i'm not going to say that i didn't have fun watching the ma- watching the matches but that is mostly down to the uh fellow wrestling fans that i choose to um spend my time discussing wrestling with and not so much because of the show itself um so i don't know there's not really a lot more to say about it than that is there like yeah well i i mean i'll look at my closing thoughts genuinely after the firefly funhouse if drew had lost i was done i i was not i was <laughs> not returning to wwe for a long long time because i was just like i'm so sick of this like and then he won i'm like you know what it, it was the best of times and the worst of times um, yeah, I, I did. I enjoy it. I mean, it, like, I don't. I don't enjoy WrestleMania usually. Anyway, it's an attritional thing usually. Like, yeah, we, you, you watch out of habits. We've done like, over the last, the last couple of years that we've done it. We don't generally enjoy it that much. Like, we've just been like, um, you know, it's just it is what it is. But um, it was shorter, which was good. Um, I, I, yeah. yeah, I quite enjoyed chatting, uh, chatting with, with people about about the the show and all that. It was good fun, and there was some good stuff. And you know, Goldberg versus Braun Strowman, like I I I just like the comforting warmth of knowing that Goldberg was a WWE champion this year. It's it, it's good to know that I'm at least getting something out of it. But yeah, yeah, I I think if I'd have w- watched this on my own with no access to social media, um, I genuinely would not have seen it even to the end of our one um so I, I think that's probably the epitaph that we should um uh put in the ground next to the uh, the desiccating body of wrestlemania 36 and with that uh, lovely image in your minds uh, it is time for us to do plugs 
So, um, uh, David, what have you got to uh, what have you got to uh, to uh, tell the good people about? Um, so, I run a party official podcast called Draw Lose or Draw. Uh, we talk about the club, um, all the stuff that they're doing, um, all the fantastic things they're doing during lockdown. They formed a relief aid group. They're doing whole bunch of stuff and it's like we're, we're kind of talking about it and it's it, it's it's been good fun and as well as just talking about like our favorite strips and all that and um yeah it's, it's good it's on soundcloud i believe it's on itunes it should be on itunes now because i submitted it a couple of days ago um and yeah um drawers are drawn soundcloud on twitter it's at drawers are draw and uh, you can get it on itunes as well or any other good podcast catchers and stuff like that as well um again after my rant about how um, you know, art is subjective, but I hated this. Um, on a similar note, you can go on uh, to fastbook.bandcamp.com and you can see lots of weird, weird stuff that um, me and my friends have done over uh, the years, and you can buy it, download it or whatever, and stuff like that. So as that, Daniel, um, who was here at the start, um, he does also uh, strange experimental music um, at Handloom Lament. Um, so it's hand as in your hands, as in Mark Mode has big hands. Um, a loom, which is a thing you use to make clothes, like is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and lament as in I lament the fact that Goldberg is no longer the WWE champion. Um, so it's handlumlament.bandcamp.com. Go, you know, uh, yeah, go and go and visit that, and um, just be nice to each other, and yeah, just stay safe. <laughs> yeah, stay safe. Stay safe. Stay home. Yeah, yeah, stay home. I would really like to stress that point because it's pissing me off at the fact, yes, we all want to go to the pub. I know we all want to go to the pub. Stay in the house, right? And there's no negotiation on this issue. We do not negotiate with shit arses, right? No, no like, that's 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 the thing. Like, you had all um, these, these people, like, before the day before the lockdown, say, I just wanted to have uh, one last drink at the pub. pub. Like, cool, you've probably killed someone. So uh, don't do that. Yes. Um, but that's, uh, but yeah, that's me. Yep, um, I uh, you can find us at Poe Podcast on Twitter, um, um, where David and I will be shitposting about uh, any and all uh, wrestling and very often non-wrestling related subjects. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud at the Poe Podcast. We are also on iTunes. Um, as far as stuff that I have to plug, I have got a novel called The Rise and Fall of Rikidozan, which is, uh, so that's spelled R-I-K-I-D-O-Z-A-N. If you search for it, so you should be able to find it. It's a novel set in late 50s and early 60s uh, Japan. It's about the wrestling industry there and really the birth and growth of it. Centred around Rikidozan, who's a former sumo wrestler who became the country's top wrestling and TV and sports star of the time. Uh, and basically about how my protagonist gets sucked into the um, very murky world of professional wrestling and its associations with various legitimate businessmen and uh, things like and basically how wrestling was such a big part of the Japanese uh, national psyche at the time and what role it played in overcoming the trauma of losing the Second World War to the USA and uh, other things um, around that. Um, we do have an interview where I talk about the novel on my SoundCloud so if you want me to talk about uh, not just like Mikado Zan, but also like uh, the art of writing and uh, things like that, then uh, do hit uh, hit us up. Uh, we will be back with some content uh, at some point. We're pushing out quite a lot at the moment uh, just because, hey, we want you to have stuff to do in um, 
uh, in these times. So that sort of explains the surfeit of bonus episodes that we have been cranking out to the knots. Um, but uh, so thank you very much for listening to our WrestleMania episode. Um, we hope that you feel uh, thoroughly cleansed by it, as uh, we did from being able to vent. And uh, yes, uh, yeah, thank you very much. I've been George Thompson with David Forrest, and thank you very much for listening. Bye.
now is if Lesnar can pull off another F5. Will McIntyre kick out at all? Uh, going up and going up top. Going up top. Drew McIntyre with another F5. Cover by Lesnar. Oh, and McIntyre kicked out again. Another kick out. Three F5s. Barely. Barely kicking out. But Drew McIntyre is still in this match. And look at Brock Lesnar's face. Claymore and McIntyre would not let up. 